Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault of the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster, and I am I am so delighted to be here. I'm on the road. My microphone situation is a little untenable, uh, but we're we're going to power through it. I think we're going to figure it out. And by you we, make it sound good. I always make it sound good in post. There though. it is, My, Michael uh, Moynihan, like of course, Spectre of this podcast. Is apparently the Phil Spector of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, speaking of which, Diana Ross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Diana Ross of this of this podcast, who's still alive. Mm-hmm. We like our we like our she pop is. stars, our legends yes. alive of this yes. podcast. Is Matt yeah, Welch? That's right. Matt, Matt Welch. Welch. He's yeah. he's my Diana Ross. Yeah. That's I, right. I mean, one hand, it, and I am the Dion Warwick of this podcast. <laughs> I don't oh, know yeah, why. Also I Dion just Warwick am. And yeah. Phil You're Spector, funny on which yeah. is great because yeah. he's. He's trans yeah. and he is yeah. also and, and Whitney's my niece. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Take a bath, dear. And I, of course, am the Shaka Khan, the Shaka Khan of this podcast. Because why the hell not? Shaka Khan. Yeah. Shaka Khan. Someone's got to be. I feel for you. Yeah, a Prince song, yes, of course. No. But um, R.I.P. <laughs> Tina. So I just spent uh, the last hour um, watching some. Just amazing mm. Tina, I can Tina, mostly I can Tina live footage, but some, some Tina from her from her private dancer era in the in the eighties. Mm. But uh, but you know the thing that I noticed, the most amazing thing is that mm. Tina Turner is from like rural Tennessee, yep. right? Nutbush, mm-hmm. like sharecropper, sharecropper. Like I mean, she talked about like picking cotton with her parents when she was a kid, and Ike is from rural Mississippi. And you look at early interviews with her, and this is inflected, but it's a weird voice. And then later, she has this v- totally bizarre, like almost European accent, yeah. because she became a Swiss citizen. She's no longer American. She's a Swiss citizen, and she has this very odd way of speaking. Like She's like a sharecropper's daughter from Tennessee, and just developed this totally different persona like post i dare say mr moynihan that if you had ended up just staying in europe at some point your accent would have been some weird hot expat garbage i probably would have become more boston (laughs) 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 i was like what's up sweden you guys are fucking ridiculous yeah probably i thought you were i thought you were going to go in a whole different direction with that for whatever reason i imagine you were going to credit mr turner with helping yes. her uh, uh, I mean, achieve this refinement and saying, hey, you may be a bad guy at all, <laughs> baby, but, baby. <laughs> but I'm glad you didn't do that yeah, because yeah. on this podcast, that is yeah. not acceptable. Hey, did Ike and Tina, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did Ike and yeah. Tina make some hits together? They certainly did. There's a lot of hits Ike going Turner, on there. Bad so guy. That, yeah. We don't like him on this podcast. No, he was a bad guy. Well, I mean, he was an amazing leader. performer. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, he was a performer. The dude wrote the dude, first. I like the Cosby show. It doesn't mean I agree with putting <laughs> shit in people's drinks. He wrote <laughs> arguably the first that rock here. and roll song, right? Rocket 88 came came out in like 1950 or 1951. And you watch those tapes and you realize, like, I'm, uh, I'm older than you guys. And for me, like, uh, Tina Turner really gets on my radar screen, like a lot of people, when she's doing the comeback. It's Private Dancer and stuff. Yeah. And all that yeah, stuff, yeah, it yeah. just has all the 80s production values. And I get so it. It's catchy, pretty, but it's it's all, yeah. it's actually kind of gruesome to listen to. I was, I was, um, uh, asking the robot to shuffle songs. And it was just everything from like 1985 onward. And that's not what, made tina turner tina turner um go and look at it and michael's been sharing some on the text thread 
But I also ask people on Twitter, like, give me your favorite uh, Tina that is not 80s and is not Proud Mary. Um, and yeah. got a bunch of great suggestions, including f- from uh, Dave Barry, funny man Dave Barry, former Fifth Column live yeah. guest in Miami. Um, yeah. And and I've been following, been going down those rabbit holes. And you just realize that she, first of all, uh, invented Mick Jagger's stage performance <laughs> persona. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. all yeah. of the dance moves, <laughs> the elbows, the thing. The, the, she, the, sa- she says as much, too, on an interview, in an interview with David Letterman, an early interview, actually right when that album comes out and she, he's like, what is the name of this record? Like it's before it's big at all. <laughs> and she talks about how she uh, taught Mick, Mick Jagger, how to, how to move. Um, and, wow. he, and he says but, as much. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. He, yeah he's do, properly yeah. respectful. There is one video. It's from the, gi- no! it's from the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> gimme shelter <laughs> movie. Good job. I like Thank that. God, this is a, not an audio, <laughs> yeah, no shit, but I, th- I think people can figure it out. <laughs> Uh, but there's a there's a there's a clip that you can see on Twitter, YouTube, elsewhere. Uh, that's a clip from the Gimme Shelter movie, and so it's a high quality video looking up uh, close up at Tina. I think it's in Madison Square Garden in 1969, doing some uh, very slow, um, just crazily sexual and like whispery mm-hmm. and growly, and occasionally they'll just like cut to Mick just sort of lurking in a corner somewhere, uh, like cl- clearly uh, <laughs> wishing that he could do anything oh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so sexy, yeah. That's what he was wishing yeah. more. Than, well, yeah, well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he could yeah, do yeah. anything like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. no, you watch her. He succeeded. You watch her uh, <laughs> when she's kicking ass and all these things, and just the level of energy and and uh, and, but also certain like subtlety Wait, is that is that the bit um because there's um and they resurfaced it today because their social media team is fast on these things but an old 60 minute segment uh, with mike wallace interviewing her in switzerland where he plays her he's like hold on he's like i want to go back to where you were in the 60s and she was like oh god and he shows her this clip of her like basically jerking off yeah. a microphone. I'm not joking. The stand, and the he's, tip. And she, yeah, yeah, he's a hand, the tip. And she's like, wow. t- she starts she starts uh, like singing and she's like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> she's like, this is horrible. This is horrible. But the, That's the same bit, right? It's, I've not seen that. It's, but it's, it's not, great. it's yeah. not just, I mean, it, it's that physical performance too, but the, the thing that she's singing with her voice is incredibly yeah, yeah. subtle and crazy yeah. Yeah. and just like sexy yeah. and, and uh, she just was uh, an, an absolute beast East for about 10 years there it's like no one has had it's like james brown had a fastball like that right around the same time yeah. she had that kind of fastball and almost nobody else did you could see why she has that yeah. rep as the queen of rock and roll this this the sexiest performance by the way if you need to see this and you do need to see this because you don't want the best vocal performance if you're me <laughs> i mean i suppose there's other people <laughs> who do but um the playboy show um, the after hours show that they did, I guess it was on CBS or something, uh, when she is 68 or 69, I think it's 69 and 19, not I, uh, 19 yes. And, and just to be, to be clear about that. And, uh, the performance is just, I can't remember what, tra- what song it is, but it's an unbelievable performance, but, but look it up. It's on YouTube, but RIP, uh, Tina and, um, RIP to, um, uh, Spike Lee's, Bill Lee, yeah. uh, Bill Lee, the bass player, um, and he played on Dylan records and it's just an all around interesting guy and created, by the way, when I lived in Fort Greene, a bit of a, a gentrification kerfuffle because there were some people complaining. Uh, he lived right on, on Fort Greene park. Um, 
I think it's on on Washington or something. It's like the, the Washington the Park there. And he was playing uh, like bass at like three in the morning and people complained. And they were like, see, this is what happens when the whites move in. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> it, was like a big, it was like a big, big thing. But He uh, also, yeah, but, scored uh, a bunch of, uh, played a lot of music on uh, Spike uh, movies as well. And uh, Yeah, he scored, scored a lot of that stuff. But Very um, good. Um, and by the way, speaking of movie scores, the worst, something that's unforgivable, but it's not Tina Turner's fault. She did do um, the theme song for the Bond Goldeneye movie. Uh, the song's just called Goldeneye. And you realize that it's not her fault when you when you understand that it was uh, written by Bono and the Edge oh. uh, and given to <laughs> Tina Turner because Depeche Mode was was touring and couldn't do the theme song. But it would have been interesting to do. Wow, Depeche, Depeche Mode. Mode Bond. Uh, yeah, a, a Bond song. But anyway, we can get get into more. Last last ad. Things. A lot, everyone's dying. All these good people are dying. That's, uh, it's it's just going to be an obituary yeah. column at some point um, sooner rather than later. Because it's not, it's not your, it, we're not at the point where our friends are dying. We're at the point where all the people that influenced us in some ways or like you mm. know, made some impact in our life are dying. And that's, that's like, you know, we did an um, episode for you subscribers over at wethefifth.substack.com where uh, we talked about Martin Amos and mm -hmm. uh, Andy Rourke and uh, the little known in, in America, Jeremy Clark, uh, writer for the low life column at The Spectator, who's, who's pretty phenomenal. But, as well um, as Fred Siegel. Uh, yeah. A a yes, and Fred Siegel, the great Fred Siegel, um, mm -hmm. who also produced uh, two of our, our favorite people, um, Harry uh, and Jake Siegel. So, um, and, and yeah. condolences to them, because we said that on, the, on the, the, the paid for pod, so we'll say it in the public one. Yeah. Too. And, and not to rehash the entirety of that episode, but I did after listening and participating to, to a lesser extent, I think, in the conversation about Zone of Interest, which I had not read at the time, I went and picked up this book and started reading it and yeah. have not been able to put it down. It is fucking phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Like, um, the prose style is just, is wonderful. Actually, I started reading it, Welch, and I sent Moynihan like a, te a text oh, yeah, with just yeah. this excerpt. From yeah, the yeah. book where yeah. he's describing in the early pages, this is like page nine, and he like mm -hmm. floored me this description of Hannah Dahl, the the yeah. quote unquote love interest. I, I suppose he's kind of more fantasizing about her at this stage. Um, and he's describing her. Uh, he says, conform to the national ideal of young femininity, stolid, countrified, and built for procreation and heavy work. <laughs> she's german by the way this is, a, is, this is set in 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 a concentration camp just for the record you know what an amazing description and i actually cut out one of the better parts if not an address then certainly in silhouette mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. how he's describing he's, he's talking about hiking uh, hiking up her oh my gosh oh, oh my yeah. goodness yeah. gracious uh, by the way this is so it, much like great it's like it's lyrical prose it is so fun to read it's funny um, and i don't think it found a publisher in germany by the way which is very very uh, rare for for him, obviously his books were obviously published in in in, in translation and you know any number of languages. But I think because of the sensitivity of that yeah. issue, there was a difficulty in getting that published in Germany. Well, but it's a very sensitive I, it's a very sensitive book on the topic, but it does have like funny lines, and he doesn't avoid the humor in any way. Well, for for whatever reason, there's something about like I've read books about the Holocaust before. Um, like plenty of them, and they've been deeply affecting. But there's something very distinct about reading this particular um, account 
of the events around in and around Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the people are very human. Like yes. the comedy is not this. It's it's even weird to call it comedy. I think I, I heard it's, him refer right. to it it's as satire. Exactly right. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And there's a very real sense in which, like, put allowing there to be these moments of comedy, these mm-hmm. moments of lust and desire, them talking in this kind of perfunctory way about the monstrous abuses that are taking place, and the actual just the technical problem of getting rid of the bodies mm-hmm. um, is. There's something about it that really puts you in, in the moment in a way that a lot of these other accounts of the book that keep you sort of at arm's length from it. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's, it's hard from, I haven't, I haven't quite put my finger on what it is yet, but it, I, wait, wait till you get to the whole thing. I mean, it gets, yeah. it gets more um, intense too, but the, the, there's, there's a difference that you don't notice. And it's very hard to notice because the same thing is true of his other Holocaust book, um, Time mm. Zero, which is the one that mm-hmm. was written backwards. Um, they're books about perpetrators. They're not books about victims. The right. victims exist and the victims yeah, are yeah. kind of the main sort of pivot point of all this stuff. Without the victims, the books don't exist. But yeah. it's, but it, it is Martin Amos's, you know, forever, uh, well, you know, throughout his entire life, that challenge to figure out. I mean, I just watched a... Um, or had it on in the background of a, of a, a debate that he not a debate, but a conversation he had with Ian Baruma, the mm-hmm. Dutch writer, and the conversation was about monsters, yes. meaning Stalin, Hitler, you know, history, history's monsters, and they're just talking yeah. about people being monstrous, and that's kind of what he's always trying to decipher in some ways because you know he writes about men being horrible in most of his books, and then mm-hmm. you have this thing about. You know, Stalinist. I mean, there is uh, the zone of uh, um, uh, House of Meetings is about um, the kind of from the perspective of victims, but that's uh, people in the Gulag, which is a very rare thing for a non-Russian speaker to write a book about mm-hmm. from the point of point of view of a victim of the Gulag. But the Holocaust ones are pretty interesting because it's like these are people that existed, and I think that I don't know if he's actually ever said this, but my guess was always that there must have been some influence that came from this news story. Um, probably about 10, 15, 20 years ago, there was a, a series of photographs, like family albums uh, from Auschwitz of people who lived on the premises because they worked there. In the family album, they're, just, they're literally just people having fun, picnics, and you know the machinery of death is all around them, but they're right. just living yeah. these incredibly normal lives. Um, yeah. And that's kind of a jumping off point for that book. But I mean, I, I seem to remember the first, the, there's this incredible first page about the gallows yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't. You're right in it at the at the very very beginning, but you're kind of slightly removed from it pretty quickly, where you you see the kind of machinations and the kind of in- interior politics of these people's lives, which, um, it, you know, it's not even considered one of his his great books or anything. I mean, it's it's a very late book. I mean, it's a second to last book, um, and you know, that's people tend to kind of fall off a bit as they as they get older. And I mean, that happened to him in some ways with his last book, but, but, um, but no, I mean, it is a phenomenal book. And as we talked about, I don't think I mentioned on the podcast that there's a movie version. I don't know if it's, it's, it's kind of based on it, but I don't think it's very faithful to the book that just premiered at Cannes and got like a rapturous, um, welcome. And, uh, so apparently that's very good, but you should read it. I'm eager to see it. Yeah, eager right. to see it. I, I suppose uh, the thing about a book, a film like that, inspired by a book, and sometimes they are very good and they measure up really well. Like No Country for Old Men is an, a, exactly. a remarkable movie 
based on a remarkable book. And I know Matt is wrong and has the wrong, wrong ideas yeah. about this. That's, but he can be wrong, I, but it's fine. It's it's there's something that you miss that you give up when you leave um, the literary experience of having someone describe a scene to you and you mm -hmm. trying to imagine what this is like versus just being having it shown to you, have it having mm -hmm. it served up on a platter. And it's not that those scenes can't be beautiful, um, but there's just something that is necessarily. I'm lacking or absent from those experiences. So definitely read the book, even if you plan to see the movie. Sure. But you, you, you can't do it backwards either. I mean, you can, but I think you're poorer because of it. Or mm -hmm. uh, if, if you watch No Country for Old Men, which is a fantastic movie, um, despite what Matt says, and <laughs> you read the book afterwards, all the kind Not of paint, well, but all the yeah. kind of painted portraits of the people who are in the book are overwhelmed by the fact that you're thinking of Javier Bardem. You can't, like, whatever the description is, you're, you're going to jettison most of it, and it's going to be Javier. Javier. Or worse. I think that's true. Nick Gillespie. Yeah. Or, or Nick Gillespie. Or Nick Gillespie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I thought when I read the book before I saw the movie. I was like, this is kind of Nick Gillespie. It kind of has a Gillespie vibe to it. <laughs> Call it. Call oh, it. man. All right. Well, we should talk about some other things, um, particularly, and we do have a guest joining us later in the show, um, yeah. if, if things go as planned, but- We've got a bunch of people who are throwing their hats into the ring formally to run for yeah. president of the United States. We know that Joe Biden is running, um, or at least someone kind of up the stairs to resemble Joe I think Biden. I think, he, I'm I think not he's sure. doddering more than he's running. Yeah, I'm not sure if he knows he's running, but we'll yeah. get to that at some point. Yeah. Uh, but Donald Trump does appear to be running, and we can tell because he's tweeting about it in all caps. Um, <laughs> On Truth Social. <laughs> Tim Scott has announced he's, he's, he's tweeting like he's trapped under his car and like needs someone to come assist him. He's like, just put the double tap it so it's all cash. I showed and he's like, come get me. I showed because something happened. The uh the truth social tweets, whatever you call them, uh to Emmanuel at dinner tonight, and uh she refused to believe them. She was just like that's that's yeah. that's gotta yeah. be fake. This is this is uh shed the GPT. The, no, this is fake. <laughs> would would that it were. Yeah. Yeah. Would that it would, my yeah. dear. Um yeah. but Tim Scott has also thrown his hat into the ring and we'll talk about yeah. him in a little bit more detail. It was, it was a somewhat tame affair in the sense that um it wasn't kind of preposterous over the top and hysterically um and distressingly obsessed with culture war bullshit. Like he did Tim this Scott. weird, yeah, he did this weird, yeah, 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 he did this weird quaint thing where he talked about like America in these not a old school and very comfortable tones. And yeah. he did draw a contrast between people who were pushing grievance and people who were pushing kind of hope and faith and a belief um, in the country. And, and honestly, like I'm not a conservative. I'm not even a Tim Scott fan in particular. It's hard not to like the guy yeah. by yeah. contrast in my estimation yeah. um, when you consider the other people who are running. Um, but also today, and I did get on Twitter spaces and listen to the entire thing, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, throwing his mm -hmm. hat into the ring. Formally, he uh, announced on Twitter spaces alongside Elon Musk and David Sachs of the uh, – uh, the All In podcast, also VC Twitter, uh, VC guy, um, tech guy, um, Russia and Valley, um, and and Peter Thiel's co-author on the diversity myth. Yeah, um, oh, that's but yes, right. has yeah. very particular yeah, Russia myth about yeah. <laughs> about about <laughs> Russia and the and the conflict <laughs> in Ukraine. Diversity myth, on the other hand, very good book, uh, which I would advise you to read. It's super interesting. But at any rate, 
Um, that Twitter space is, was interesting. I don't know if you guys were actually able to hear much of it. I listened to the I whole listened thing. to the last like 10 minutes of it, but I saw the beginning that, that I, I love how Fox News, so desperate to like tur- turn the knife, um, said like it, uh, the launch of Ron DeSantis' president was a disaster. And it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, have you ever been to a concert? Like sometimes they're like 20 minutes late. You're like yeah. you're clapping out there. Come on, come on, come on. It was just like, it was a tech thing. And it was like 20 minutes late, 25 minutes, something like that. It's like, it wasn't a disaster. It was funny and, though. And, I mean, come it's on. Also like not, it's like, but it's not like, it's not his fault. Like we have the same thing trying to get this fucking podcast going half the time. Like I'm not like, last night's yeah, recording was a disaster. A, but people don't, but people don't see that. And if it were live and we were doing a live recording and that happened we've for like that 30 or 40 minutes, like that would be a problem. No, we've never done that. We've never been on stage, like trying to get it to work. Like yeah. this is, this is a somewhat different experience. And it also strikes me as something that, Twitter's that seems fault, like his. <laughs> sure, it is. Yeah. It, it is. It's Elon. It's Elon's team's fault. Perhaps not Elon's fault himself. Cool. But cool. I mean, if it was up <laughs> to me, and I'm like the, the <laughs> yeah, CEO okay, of cool. Twitter, uh, and I know this is coming, like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you guys. Like, there's gonna be a stress test, and if necessary, we're gonna cap the number of people that can be in the space so that we don't run into this embarrassing issue where a candidate that I obviously like. Um, and you could tell that everybody who talked today liked Elon. Um, not, not, well, they probably, they liked Elon as well. They also liked Governor Ron. Um, like I would make sure this didn't crash, uh, so that there weren't these opportunities for sort of this cheap undermining of the candidate. But what's, what's worse in my estimation is just the substance or lack thereof of the exchange. And I think Ron in general, um, presented very well when he was talking about COVID and keeping Florida open and keeping the schools open, et cetera, et cetera. He's always really, really good on that stuff and has a lot of great points to make. Um, I was less inspired by a lot of the culture war stuff and the, the rather explicit culture war stuff, um, which we could talk about in some detail, but also by the promise that was made at the very beginning of this presentation that this was going to be this opportunity unlike anything else oh, yeah. where a candidate was a- really getting into the weeds and answering questions from real people. And then there was just this parade of people <laughs> real, who were real all venture, real venture capitalists. <laughs> yeah. They're all on, they're all on team Ron. Um, even, uh, even Sachs, who was doing most of the interviewing, so to speak, like to the extent this is an interview, I mean, these are softball questions. These are questions where the answers are served up for you. It's just kind of color commentary about your great question. And every single person who spoke up gave some version of, and in some cases they had all three parts, um, why are you so amazing? Why are <laughs> yeah. they so monstrous and terrible? And how will you save us from them? Like that mm. is it. And I, I mean, sure, for your first event, I get it. You've yeah, it's an announcement. Stuff, I get it too, but at you the promised same time, something else. You promised yeah. something else, and I had my hand up in that Twitter space, and it was yeah. not called, Ooh, and I'm not going to forget it. That. David yeah. Sachs. Well, yeah, just I mean, the NAACP did warn you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe so, they had a point. Yes, yeah. Maybe they yeah, had a like, point. We have everybody a who spoke up was white. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the problem. What are we doing about this white racism? <laughs> <laughs> so you're asking a white premise is the question he doesn't call on you what do you expect <laughs> see, um, see? No, i i think the, th- the thing about this is um i get number one that it's it's the launch and you you know you're not 
you're not there to sit down and, and be grilled. You're, you're going to, it's going to be a softball event. It's like, you know, they're like speeches at your wedding, right? I mean, everyone's <laughs> going to say nice things. No, gonna be like, you know what? You're actually a fucking asshole to me when you started dating this woman. You didn't invite me. They give you a chance. You did not invite us to your wedding. One hand. Even at the wedding, they give you a chance. Speak yeah. now or forever hold your peace. That yeah, happens. Might, that yeah. is the thing. They might, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but if you do do that, I think it just happens in movies. I don't think anyone's ever actually ever done that. I've never seen actually that even said the hold your peace thing. I've never I've seen, oh, that. I've seen that. Yeah. Really? I've like seen that. it. Oh, have oh you? yeah. 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 I just I would just be like, she's hates Jews. And be like, like, what? Who said that? I'm like, I don't know. Is that you? Nope. One man. Just fucking, yeah. this is this is my stress test. Um, it's a nation of Islam wedding. They just start throwing <laughs> yeah, flowers yeah, and applauding. Yeah, they're like, thank God she hates them. Um, <laughs> no, the prophet I, is alive. I get, yeah. I get this. I get the idea um, of doing an end run around the traditional media. I actually, you know, I, I mean, sure. as somebody who would be, um, you know, more in the traditional media in my life than than outside of it. Uh, I, I should not like that, um, but I don't dislike that for a couple mm -hmm. of reasons. But there are, there are some problems with it. The first thing is that you know when you are treated unfairly, you have you're under no obligation because of some sort of you know silent agreement that everybody has, every politician, you know, with uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, and everybody else now that we have to you actually have to interact with us. No, no. If you're going to call somebody Ron Death Santis, he's probably going to get pissed off and not going to talk to you. I get that. The problem is now is he's running for president. So if you're going to do a media that is not traditional, mainstream, and you know, let's just be frank about it, sort of liberal leaning media, you are going to suffer for 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 not having people challenge you if you're just doing softball media of people who like you. That's not what I think you should do. You should go to people who do podcasts, who are not people who are, you know, known for gotcha questions, like people like us, I would say. And yeah. and the 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 invitation to the governor is there. But, you know, I would ask him a million, you know, challenging questions, not only because I want to, you know, I don't want to score a goal. I mean, sometimes that's what journalists are like, and that's really obnoxious. It's, I think it's more of, more than anything, you should be doing these things because you want to get a sense of what this guy would be like as the president, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the office that he's running for. This is the job that he's out for. And so you're going to need to handle those questions, whether it comes from a debate moderator. And I'll tell you what, if Donald Trump, who, and we'll get to this, had a fucking absolute meltdown uh, about Ron DeSantis' existence in the race. Not, I mean, he's, you know, has pretty weak polling right now. But what's going to happen is, if you want to see uh, Ron DeSantis gain on Donald Trump, one of the things that one would hope would allow him to gain was the bits that I heard of him, um, even the stuff that I disagreed with, he's very fluid. He really knows the issue. Especially in, I mean, in conversation as opposed to his opening speech, which is awful. Like, uh, like I, prepared, I missed that. I heard the last prepared remarks, Ron, that's not, that's not what's, what's going to get that thing done. Yeah. On, on, I mean, the stuff that I heard and, and look, it, it is, the bar has been set by a sociopath, Donald Trump. So anything is better and anything that isn't like the rote kind of, I'm sure stuff that like Tim Scott does. Um, he does have a set of beliefs and he um, articulates them quite well. And again, this is not an endorsement. This is not a criticism. I'm just saying 
if, you know, just on the straight kind of facts of this, he does that well. He's, he's good at it. The, where Donald Trump is vulnerable is somebody who says he, he refuses to, to debate. If you think people show up for the Twitter space, imagine what people are going to show up uh, for Ron DeSantis debating and Trump isn't there. Yeah. And then you get to do the, the Clint Eastwood talking to an empty chair. You can make that an issue the entire time of somebody who believes that it's his birthright, believes that it should be given to him and gifted to him. And, uh, or you can make the argument that he doesn't believe that he has the uh, sort of firepower to, to, to debate somebody like me. He can debate somebody who's doddering and old and doesn't really know what day it is or, you know, where his, where or how his son died, um, which we, again, we should talk about, but, um, that will be an opportunity if Trump insists on just sending out these little epistles on, on truth social and not engaging it. Um, I would just say there's two things he has to do is engage with media. that's going to be not critical, but ask him tough questions and get to that parry into that back and forth and to actually uh, interacting with Trump. Again, it doesn't seem like I, I didn't listen to uh, most of it. It didn't seem like he mentioned his name. He did take a few shots. Is yeah. that right? Uh, I, you know, he's, mm -hmm. he, he's hit the stuff that he's already uh, has established kind of in the pre-campaign of, you know, it's not about building your own brand uh, and, and, you know, being entertaining. It's about getting stuff done and also comporting yourself in such a way that you can actually win a general election at the end, um, yeah. which, which mm -hmm. he hit on a couple of times. I was of a bunch of different minds of this while watching. Um, there was a lot of cringe factor associated, obviously, with the tech and the tech bros uh, kind of talking. And, um, you know, everyone who asked a question would then like, like they would get wake in the knees because they're in the presence of Elon Musk. And so they would, <laughs> there was a lot they of would that. overpraise. But first, first, thank you, Elon, for, for yes. saving, free restoring speech. free speech. And for getting me out of Twitter jail. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not the Turkish opposition, you, but sir. me out of, uh, out of Twitter jail, which I really <laughs> yes. appreciate. Uh, and DeSantis went, oh, actually that was uh, uh, where DeSantis turned from making me wince to reminding me of what makes him interesting to begin with was that the first kind of ball cupping question from uh david Sachs was was like basically why are you you know why <laughs> or tickling not cupping um um was like you know you can do why did you decide to do it on twitter like well, why are you so brave to do it on Twitter? and uh and desantis ends up turning that into a pretty interesting free speech question uh or free speech answer of i did this because mm. you know right now with all the pressure that's happening out there including peer pressure within existing journalism to crowd out voices and blah 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 you can hear it for yourself but it was pretty interesting mm -hmm. and robust answer and i think that there's an element to his choice to do it on Twitter, um, that's good for that. I think he is overstating the case, as is everyone uh, on the thing about uh, Elon Musk's heroism uh, in that fight. Uh, but also, I was thinking a little bit about what we were talking about in terms of the Trump town hall and CNN um, of what might be a better strategy among the person who's doing the questioning. And part of it is that you want the questioner, even if it's on a television cable news kind of format, to bring a different energy than the usual cable news energy. And so mm. regardless of the 
cringe elements and the stuff that was sort of a tech fiasco and other things that were kind of a missed opportunity, this was a different energy. The question is, was it too much of an online bro energy? I mean, we had moments where um, there's like shout outs to all you uh, Dogecoin fans out there. And it's like, you know, yeah, I, when I turned it on, there was there was like a, a, uh, a question and, you know, I have to say that it's a, it's, it is like somebody throws the EFAS pitch. So it's like kind of an easy ball to hit out of the park. But uh, it's like, what are you going to do about crypto? And he's like, I'm going to do whatever you guys want because you're on my side and I love you guys and we'll never, ever fuck with crypto. And everyone's like, all right, cool, sweet, cool. Okay, guys, can you just donate some doge over to, to the DeSantis campaign? And it's just like, I mean, how, he's just sitting there like, God, this is so fucking easy. I can't believe this. I'm just telling them how much I love the, the of crypto stuff. But no, I thought it was I, I, like, that is the thing is that, that it, it is advisable because he's not bad at it by the way you see him get into back and forth early you know early in his his governorship and it you know got pretty pretty intense like a couple years in and particularly around covid like he's he's good at at, at fighting with people he's good at at in a, in a kind of chris christie way he's good at going back and forth with journalists so i mean so, it's advisable for them to kind of underscore that like we don't want to give the media that treats us so horribly and unfairly, any benefit of the doubt, and we don't want to give them the opportunity to like get clicks and make money off of us. Fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. But don't make it appear that you're afraid to engage with critics when it's only going to be, you know, sort of OAN or Newsmax or Fox or whatever, or in this case, Twitter. I've, uh, Camille, I, I, mean, I think it's sorry. also really, oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it's also really easy to steamroll um, the critics when you only engage with the stupidest, worst, kind of most disingenuous critics, the ones who insist that you're a racist, white supremacist monster David and that Florida is so somehow yeah. dangerous, dangerous yeah. for black people to travel to. It, it's fucking absurd. Like that is ridiculous. Those people barely even deserve a response. But what does deserve a response is when thoughtful civil libertarians like ourselves, perhaps, I'm um, or the good people at Fire, where I'm a board member, um, have have actual legitimate criticisms about your policies, and I don't hear you address that publicly or speak to the fact that there is some nuance, that there are some challenges um, associated with some of the things that you're trying to achieve, that there is a, a real meaningful deviation from kind of traditional small government conservatism. Um, with respect to the way that your approach is on a lot of issues, this kind of muscular culture warrior who imagines that you can, um, I believe he said, relegate this particularly unpopular uh, philosophical worldview to the dustbin of history. That was the quote, the dustbin of history. And he was referring to wokeness there, which it was kind of amazing, Matt. I think it was just after he said something eloquent about the importance of free speech yeah. and defending free speech. Within the same paragraph. He then goes on to say, he goes on to say that, you know, what we're going to do is relegate wokeness to the dustbin of history. Excuse me, sir. How does this work exactly? Like you're the president, you want to be the president of the United States. Like what are the limitations on your authority? Well, that's are where there the certain question, things that you cannot do because that's where the there good is a circle that in. you need to square. Yeah. So that's what that's what people have to ask him in the future, right? Because I presume he's going to have an answer to this when it's when it's like, you know, we're going to relevate relegate this to the dustbin of history. Okay. So one can do that or try attempt to do that in the way that, you know, Ronald Reagan 
um, which is a speech that he gave in Florida, actually, uh, you know, said that the, the, the Soviet Union was the evil empire that should be relegated to the dustbin of history. He was right. And is it going to be the policies mm-hmm. that push that? In that case, yes, it was. Or is it going to be a kind of intellectual war that we are going to ra- wage on this bad ideology? If it is just that, we have no more questions. Of course, it's not just that. So we have to figure out, you know, when we're going to get to the point that those questions would be answered. The thing is, is that he's going to be hit with that a thousand times over and he knows it, but he's not going to be hit with that during the primary. I mean, the mm-hmm. problem with this Republican primary is that, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, who his people uh, reached out to us and um, we're going to have him on the show at some point. The question I have for him, and I, and I think his, some of his people listen to the show, so I'll, I'll tip them off, is that, you are running a campaign against an inco- like sort of an incumbent, right? A Republican mm-hmm. incumbent, you know, who won in 2016 and believes he won in 2020. So he believes he's always the incumbent. But how are you going to differentiate yourself? Because every single time Donald Trump gets engaged in some stupid battle online, some <laughs> legal battle in the courts, I've seen Vivek, among other people, defending him. Saying, well, you know, this is they're going after him and blah, blah, blah. I don't see anyone taking shots at him. And this is the thing. that It's unbelievable to watch this field of people, with the exception, by the way, of Nikki Haley, who's really doesn't matter at this point, of really taking wow, any swipes. Wow, she's, because she's a woman? Is that what you're saying? A woman of color, specifically. Yeah. And, and because um, she's, she's aged out, essentially. She's no longer yeah, right. I mean, she's, she's too old, she's, according yeah. to Don Lemon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was over earlier and he was like, you know, you're past your prime. And I was like, okay, I'm the same age as Nikki Haley. I'm actually not, but um, uh, just to be clear, I'm not the same age as Nikki Haley. She is in her 70s and I am not. Um, But you know, that that, that kind of thing of like, of everyone is like playing patty cake with Donald Trump. It's like, no, no, you guys have to wage war on him. But they're also terrified of this kind of not so mythical, but sometimes mythical, depending on how it's framed, Republican base who is so enamored. Like Elon Musk gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal um, at some kind of tech conference um, yesterday, two days, two days ago, but it was on their podcast and some British guy that's interviewing. It was a decent interview because it didn't dwell entirely on politics, but there was a point at the beginning where we talk about politics. And there's two Elon Musks, right? He's talking to a kind of mainstream journalist who's pushing him on these issues, and then he's on Twitter spaces, he's going to be a different guy. But he said, you know, well, the problem with this country is that the primaries, um, of course, are biased towards the extremes, and we Mm -hmm. want people in the middle. We want to represent people in the middle. They need a voice in American politics. Is Elon Musk saying this, you know, 24 hours ago? Mm -hmm. And that's not wrong, right? It's a bit of a cliche at this point, but it's not wrong. And this is the thing that, you know, all of these people in this Republican primary are so desperate to kind of put that, you know, net on the back of the shrimp boat and pick up every fucking MAGA thing in sight and just say, you know, you're going you're gonna to vote for me. You're going to vote for me. You're going to vote for me. And nobody is going to challenge him at all. And they haven't. And DeSantis does these small things where he's not naming mm-hmm. him. I get that when you're not running, but mm-hmm. now you're running. Now you have to name him. Now you actually I, have I to think take that's it right. full on. Yeah, he said he had a couple of a couple of those um, shots that he took at Trump. Uh, one was, uh, uh, "We have to eradicate this culture of losing that has infected the Republican Party in Correct. recent years." So yes. we have to look right. forward, not backwards. Yeah, that's right. Name, <laughs> yeah. names. name names. You want to take yeah. that? You want to take yeah. shots? Listen, yeah. Donald Trump, 
even if you want to give him some sort of credit, then do it. Fine. Donald Trump, we, we like some of the things he did. you don't even But you don't even have to do that. You can, you can just, just say- I think fuck, you should name well, Trump. But you can say, if, if you want to ease into it- Trump is naming him. I think he should name Trump. Of course. But if you want to ease into it, then you say- Blake Masters, then you say Herschel yeah, Walker, yeah. then you say Dr. Oz, then you say Don mm -hmm. Bulldog. Dog. I uh -huh. mean, all of these people you can mention and everyone's like, hey, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, obviously, this is not going to be the exact venue for this. This is, you mm -hmm. know, this is his bar mitzvah. This is, this is his party. This is a launch party into manhood. And, um, and I guess you're not going to get all that stuff here. But at yeah. some point soon... It is important not only to differentiate yourself because you're going to lag. Everybody's going to lag behind him doing impressions of him. DeSantis hasn't done impressions of him. He has not done that. He has really, really forged his own, his own kind of path here, so much so that Donald Trump has, you know, defended Disney, attacked him mm. for saying that he wants to reform Social Security. No, no, don't touch it. Allow it to grow <laughs> until it's this monstrous thing that nobody can pay for and nobody gets any benefits from. Great. Yeah. No, no, he wants to destroy it. He wants to put a 23% tax. You saw that tweet, 20, or whatever, truth that he says. Um, a 23% tax, a sales tax, that's what he was looking, that's, he was trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, is that right? Not really. But anyway. I mean, that kind of, of stuff. Abolishing the IRS, which Trump would never abolishing do. Abolishing the IRS. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that's, yeah. If you, if you leave it the way, if you say just a 23% sales tax on top of everything else is not accurate. But yeah, anyway. The, well, to stay, I'll go ahead. Just, back. I think that there's a, there is a, an interesting factor um, to be thought of in terms of the way that Trump's competitors are or are not addressing him. Yes, it's the same thing that we actually saw in 2015 and 2016, where basically everyone not named John Kasich was scared of being the next bug on the windshield. And so they didn't um, attack him. Ted Cruz waited until the last possible minute. Uh, and then it was far too late because of Lion Ted and Zodiac Killer and his ugly wife and whatever. <laughs> uh, all that happened. We forgot about it, but Good oh my God, God, it all really happened. I have not, I've never forgotten. What, 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 I will I, never forget. I won't forget it, but I just <laughs> clarify for me. It was his ugly wife who shot Kennedy, right? I believe was so. That, <laughs> just to be right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he shot FK <laughs> Jr. But uh, a thing that's God. different this time, and- uh, <laughs> Ted Cruz actually shot RFK Jr. during this campaign? <laughs> it's early yet, man. It's all possible. <laughs> it's in the family. We can't stop oh. killing Kennedys. <laughs> RFK Jr. today, uh, and I sent you guys this, was it did a long tweet thread that somehow tried to be on all sides of election uh, fraud issues and election conspiracies, yeah. oh. considering that he wrote one of the bigger ones, um, which he still defends, uh, and he... Uh, used the phrase of like, you know, we got to stop these little black boxes with their secret algorithms, uh, counting ballots, yeah, yeah, like yeah. otherwise known as a yeah. machine counting yeah. ballot. It's not really an yeah. algorithm. They're, yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're called algorithm. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, but anyways, uh, no, there's, I think that the, uh, an underrated factor is that Trump might go to jail. Uh, Inez Stepman was out there today <laughs> saying like, well, wouldn't it be weird if like Trump, what are the, what are the odds of Trump winning the election while being in jail? And uh, I think, and I said like <laughs> primary, 50-50, that sounds as plausible yeah. as anything else. He's got like four. That's amazing. He's got like four. I don't think yeah. that he That's can win amazing. a general, but then I've been overly optimistic about America a, a few times over the last eight years and been yeah. proven to be wrong. Um, but uh, he is, he is America's Bobby Sands. The uh, hunger, the hunger striker, the IRA hunger striker who died. Because remember, when he was in prison, he was elected uh, to parliament. 
Uh, he was he was in prison, and they they elected him to parliament. So I don't I don't serve. see Donald Trump going on a hunger couldn't strike because he was quite to be, hungry. To be clear, the guy yeah. uh, when when he first Donald Trump needs his McDonald's. Just saying, when he first arose <laughs> on the scene in 2015, there are small fries, small fries. There yeah. were a whole bunch <laughs> of us who had uh, covered. Uh, Central European autocrats, Vladimir Mechar from Slovakia was was chief among them, but there's a bunch in that area who are like these post-commie strongmen who were populist and absolutely crude. Mm. I once interviewed Mechar and he's like, well, before he went to the US and he's like, yeah, I'm just hoping to show people that I can eat with a knife and a fork. Uh, such was his reputation. It was so bad. <laughs> he was always suing journalists. There were rumors of like political murders and people being shoved in trunks and he didn't do much to, to tamp them down. But he once told me in a moment of candor, like, it doesn't matter what I do. He might as well have said I could, you know, line him up on, on Namiste SNP or you know, Fifth yeah. Avenue and shoot somebody, I will always get 40% of the vote as long as I'm alive. Um, like there's there's mm. a chunk of the electorate that is wedded to me that understands me as the country. Um, and he kind of got this from a like a normal strategic point of view too. He was uh, analyzing himself outside his body. And I've seen this happen in basically all of those countries around there. I think there's something similar to that with Trump. I mean, he's still polling at 60% in a Republican primary. He's 40 points up. We've never seen anything like this from a non-incumbent in a GOP primary. Think about that. That's yeah, never happened. And he will lose and he will lose the general. Uh, he will lose the general. Yeah, I think it, I, I think that, that's yeah. uh, axiomatic. He cannot win the general. I still think I just, that I, he has a, you know, uh, there's an uphill path for DeSantis there, but it's it's not. I think that people are in their decision whether to attack him or to not attack him. Sure, some people are gunning for a possible vice presidency slot. I don't know why you would want to be that man's mm -hmm. vice president. Didn't work out oh so great God. for Mike Pence <laughs> oh last gosh. time. Could you imagine? Um, yeah. yeah. But um, also that... Um, if I don't insult him too much and then he goes to jail and can't win, I will be the successor. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I think that that's got to be yeah. a, a factor in some people's brains, not DeSantis's. He's got his own conception of what he's doing. Um, but some of these other people who are, you know, polling it to Larry Elder, what's Larry Elder's path, uh, right now, Asa mm -hmm. Hutchinson, you know, what's, a, what's mm -hmm. his path. So, uh, yeah, I think. Has Larry announced though? Has he announced that I he's running? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, I don't know. I think you may be confusing Larry Elder and Tim Scott because you always say they look they all not. look alike is what you say. <laughs> I'm yeah. from they, California. They look yeah. very different, Matt Welch. They look very yeah. different. Can I just say, I don't know anything about Tim Scott's platform at all. I haven't paid any attention. I tried to watch his speech today, actually, like in full because I'd only seen the highlights before, but I was distracted because as soon as I started watching it, I noticed that his, the opening music he came out to was the Gap Band, oh, um, yeah. Burn Rubber, Burn Rubber on Me. And I was like, wow, that was a great song that I have not heard in a while. And then I went and watched the video. They, she, she, <laughs> they also recorded She Dropped a Bomb on Me. Which the it's two the songs song. sound the same. Yeah. I thought it yeah, was yeah. the same song, but it yeah. is actually two separate songs. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. They just had one <laughs> song they recorded over and over. Yeah, you with dropped the bomb on Tim me. Scott is suit, which, which actually has a, it has a bomb sound in it, which is great. Like, yeah, <laughs> the video the video is crazy. In the one video, they're all in these western, these country western outfits in burn rubber. And yeah. you drop the bomb on me. They have fatigues and some weird rhinestone encrusted like hats and all yeah. kinds of craziness. It's just yeah, the videos are so terrible that they're wonderful. I, and I need you to go, go watch, watch them. them. The yeah. depressing thing, by the way, and we'll get right back to politics, the depressing thing about watching the Ike and Tina um, uh, performances 
was mm. that there was so little space between black music and white music at the time. It was just like funkier and, but there's just like white guys in the band. There's like guy playing sax. <laughs> He's like a long beard. He, I thought it was, I was like, is that Michael Tracy? Who is that in the background? It's just like this weird guy playing sax. <laughs> and the whole band, it's just like the band is like, you know, the, it's just like, it doesn't, there's no difference between that and like half of the, the white bands that are coming on after on the um, Ed Sullivan I mean, show. look at Sly Stone's band in the uh, Summer of Soul, which is amazing. The drummer. Um, it's just like some nebbishy Jewish guy just fucking ripping on drums. He's, ama- he's an amazing drummer. Uh, yeah, and yeah, look at Stevie yeah. Wonder's band when he's like playing uh, on, Steve, on the- she, Stevie Wonder's the best drummer in that in that. Uh, yeah, film. my God, he's great. He starts with a fucking drum solo by Stevie, Stevie Wonder. But, that, but those bands uh, in the early 70s were sort of soul was going into rock and to funk and it was all melanging. Um, fantastic. Yeah. And then it just somehow split uh, in the in yeah. the mid 70s. Kind of like the Republican Party now. There's a Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. There's a Larry Elder, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually the same person. Tim Scott, it's the same, same person. Tim Scott is pretty uh, pretty interesting on criminal justice reform. He uh, has sponsored. He was the he, is, he was the main driver of the First Step Act in the Senate under Trump. Um, he's uh, gone after qualified immunity on several occasions. Um, he's not so great on pot necessarily, but he's done he's done some pretty good uh, uh, criminal justice reform moves and and uh, and is like just a, a kind of a normal dude. Um, like he's <laughs> all these guys in the GOP now are these make believe class warriors um, who went to Harvard mm-hmm. and Yale and and Columbia and now are Josh <laughs> Hawley and uh, and they're gonna like put their fist in the air. And it's like no one's buying it, dude. Um, he actually could, yeah. In fairness to DeSantis, by the way, he is like. The thing that I like about him is he actually does come from a pretty stolidly working class background, and and I mean, Ed moved himself up, a cable company or something. And, yeah. But I mean he, that's that's a good story. He right? exudes that, and Tim Scott's story is is, uh, is similar. Like single mom, yes, very raised exactly. him yeah. uh, into pro wrestling. Uh, you know, has uh, has proudly pedestrian and and uh, obscure and fun uh, tastes in in various things. And is do stories mean anything out. anymore in politics though? Uh, I mean, it used that used to be such a big thing. The the you know, all the kind of initial ads of people's campaigns would be like you know Lamar Alexander in a check shirt, like driving a tractor, you I know, can't. through a, like through an Arby's drive-through or something. It was just like these bizarre I, kind of things. Those don't matter so much. I anymore. really don't think they do. And and like what in watching Tim Scott and and kind of just liking him as a person more than I like almost anybody else in the Republican field. Although that's not a high bar. Um, I realize that, yeah, that's that's a, yet another sign that my tastes are so incredibly marginal. Because I like that old-timey bootstrap stuff. He does that. He does that yeah. thing that we he, used to do. We don't do it anymore. I miss it. I still kind of like it, even though, you know, a huge swath of the country absolutely despises it now. Yeah, they really do. I just, and I think that this election, when, when, um, when it all is lost, it is the, hopefully the end of this era of populism. In the Republican Party. I mean, it's if you get wiped out in those midterms, you lose in 2020. And, you know, the Democratic Party has gone so much to the kind of AOC wing, particularly, you know, I mean, this is the thing we've pointed out a lot. I mean, Joe Biden said in those debates, you know, no, 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 that's not the party. I am the party. And I am the centrist candidate. And the first thing he does when he gets into to office is, you know, like do a land acknowledgement and then fall down the stairs. It all happened in like one, like one second. He was like, this is Lenape. And it was like, what did he say? He's like literally bleeding out of the head. 
<laughs> with a headdress on. He didn't realize that was offensive, but, you know. Well, he well, didn't know what he was on. doing either. He didn't know what he, he was doing. Know. He didn't know what he was doing. No. He's like, what, yeah. man? He's like, yeah. He's like, Chick- Chick- Chickasaw. Chicken out. Chickasaws. <laughs> Listen, I'm serious. No, 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 because he keeps saying that his son died it's in crazy. Iraq. So it's there's crazy. two possibilities here. He said this again, what, yesterday, two days ago? Two days He's, ago, yeah. The, 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 the two possibilities are this, that he is a pathological liar and is so dumb that he believes that no one notices this and they couldn't possibly check it, couldn't go onto chat GPT and figure out if this was true or not. Or he really has no idea what's going on. I tend to think it's the latter, that he like has told this story in so many ways it's kind of lodged in his brain and it kind of comes out that way every time he has an opportunity to bring his family into into uh, one of his speeches or you know when he's doing a back and forth at, at a press conferences that he doesn't have he doesn't have press conferences what am i talking about um why <laughs> is this happening um because if he's if, if he's saying this and believes it true that is kind of disqualifying. But then it, you don't it, know how your son died or where your son died is rather disturbing, isn't it? So and it's it's the good son. It's the son you like you like. The one yeah, that yeah, makes you proud. Yeah. Not yeah. the bad son. Burn pits. Right. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, the burn pits in Iraq that killed him. He got him so is that what you think he's doing, Matt? Is he is he talking about the burn pits when he yes. says his son died in Iraq? Yes. Well, I, I think that uh, that so it comes we from. have a combination of 50 years in politics in which he has a well-established pattern of saying things so often that you think that they're true, and then they get a little bit of embellishment with each telling of the story, and then they just get worse and worse. And really, it's not just like the the one time that he cribbed that little detail from that one speech from the guy who wasn't actually American kind of thing. It's just over and over and over again. He's done this in his life to an unusual degree, um, which, you know, got him out of the 1988 presidential race. It was disqualifying considered mm-hmm. to be back then. But Matt, when you get, when you get caught plagiarizing. Yeah. Serially. Um, or serially, but from a British labor politician, that involves a bit of work, right? Yeah. You have to figure out that, you know, somebody's plagiarizing and some people get away with it for a very long time. He is going out and saying, my son died in Iraq. And it's like, can I just, let me just look on my phone. Yeah. I can figure out that that's not true. It's not a heavy lift to figure out that he's lying about that. Right. But I think what you have uh, is, so the the well-established personal way of him talking, which has always been like mixing reality and fantasy to some degree and embellishing his familial life story, especially how many times have we heard about my old dad, just man, just my dad. He would always say just people, people has become corn pop. People just need to actually, they just need a, uh, (laughs) just need a hand up. They just need a a build out um, every time. Uh, So he has that. (laughs) He's like, cause then he, it's always Joey to just to him, just because he needs to let you know that he was a child at the time. He's never like, a child. It's a, it's a Joe, Joey. 
You know, the Nazis, they, they got some good ideas. They got some good ideas. But don't be a Nazi. So, But that's what my dad said to he's me like, in 1912. He's like, like this, <laughs> and then it gets worse because he's old. And all old people get mm. worse at this for the most part. Um, or Yeah, I shouldn't be the president if that's the problem. And third, rule of <laughs> three, yeah. um, you have a, a, a field, a world, a political reality in which the other side is Donald Trump where he's literally making up stories about non-existent general Pershings in the Philippines, dipping bloods, bullets oh, in yeah, pig's yeah, yeah. blood and Pink shooting blood, yeah, yeah. like the, yeah. the single Muslim in the villager. Like nothing about this is true. But even, even that's like a stupid apocryphal story. Like it's not about his son. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like that's that's the like, weird thing. It's like, if he was saying that, you know, Donald Trump D- Jr., you know, died in Vietnam, everyone would be like, oh, that would have been cool. Uh, but, you know, th- that would be strange, I mean, right? Donald- the family stuff. Is, I don't think it's a lie. I don't think he's lying. I just think he doesn't know where the fuck he is at this I point. I mean, Donald Trump uh, came out after losing a $5 million civil lawsuit about sexually assaulting someone, according to mm-hmm. some the, mm-hmm. the belief about the preponderance of the evidence, came out immediately, a day, two days afterwards on live television, said, I never met the woman. <laughs> like, yeah, and no, now she's so good again. Like, so... It's amazing. Um, I don't. It's an, he's he's fucking Andy Kaufman at this point. I can't even. It's like an Andy Kaufman bit because she says, "I'm going to sue you again because you said it on CNN during the town hall." Lawyers up, and then in response to that, he says it a third time. <laughs> he's like, "This well, this, this job," and it's like, "You don't give a fuck." Well, you literally makes sense. just don't no, give a no. fuck. He cares a great deal, Moynihan. The reality is, this is part of his campaign strategy, and for the most part, the shit appears to be working. Every single time this thing comes up, he continues to make progress. And I should say, Ethan Strauss is joining us now, and we're delighted to have him back with us again. Live from Oakland. Is you in Oakland? No, I'm in an Oakland suburb. Oh my god! Is that what you call the tent village behind City Hall? <laughs> <In the Oakland? laughs> we call it the yes. burb. Yeah. Have yes. they shut down your Starbucks yet? <laughs> is there They're an RED? They're just what? taking out all of the seats, so you yeah, can't that's sit great. Down. Yeah. Did you see Which is even that the Starbucks in your uh, lovely city? They've remove the seats and all it's an enormous empty space it looks like someone's going to give a concert and it's they said because oh it's just because people just it's become yes. a homeless encampment so. cavernous is that's the very word. egalitarian you yes, know nobody's right. sitting above anybody exactly. else that's exactly it's I, called you know, equity ethan equity equity yeah. coffee yes. equity you can't coffee sit equity. down yes. <laughs> you it's cannot sit equity. down you can only have one kind of coffee. We used to do that whole frappuccino thing. It's just black coffee now. That's yeah. it. Okay? I mean, it's just a huge some people can't have sugar. Monster. But isn't it just like a huge floor to shit on now? I mean, that's what it looked like to me. It's like, look at that. It's like, that's a very big bathroom. Some people, some people are into that. In Berlin, people pay extra for that. Yeah. Those Germans. You know? Look at it's this big uh, floor for the shitting. Great. What is this? You call oh this the God. Starbucks? <laughs> well, well, Ethan, I got, I, <laughs> we wanted you here for so many different reasons. Uh, we want to talk about a number of things, but here's the first thing I need you to tell me. Is LeBron going to mm. retire? Like, is he legit going to retire? I don't either? believe it. I okay. don't believe it. Right. I think he just wants to control the narrative. I think he lost. And in a way, one of my friends pointed out that LeBron mismanages his image because he bases it on the dumbest people on Twitter. Everybody who saw that <laughs> series, and I'm sorry to get so basketball-y out the gate. Don't but everybody saw me, that series, oh, God. they understand that he played <laughs> a, an amazing series. It's not his fault he, he really got did. swept. Yeah. But 
I don't know if he knows that's the consensus. So immediately it's, how do I seize the narrative? How do I change the conversation? Oh, maybe I'll retire. I'll float that out there. Um, look, who knows? But I, I, I don't see it. I, I have one take, a take on a take, pre-taking on the Biden thing, because Moynihan said that it's disqualifying, disqualifying that he would tell such a bald lie about his own family. Uh, in uh, a utopian world or just a reasonable world, I would say, yes, it's disqualifying. Yeah, that's how you should I would be, argue. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I would argue <laughs> the opposite. Is. It certainly isn't. It, it, in the world that we actually live in, it is qualifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, I, I call this, I've been trying to make fetch happen with this for about 10 years, mm-hmm. the dad principle of PR, the don't apologize, double down principle. Mm. This idea that in an information-soaked world, an admission of wrongdoing is a strong signal of wrongdoing, mm-hmm. and it doesn't end a feeding frenzy by the media. It begets it. It fuels it. So, look, I'm just looking at what works. Mm-hmm. Who were the last two presidents? Uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, two people who do not apologize, who just double down, and they evade the humiliation. They evade the pylon. And they just cut that Gordian knot that everybody else is tied up in right now uh, with our Baroque forms of etiquette and needing to worry about this and that. They just cut right through it and they just keep on trucking. And it's a really bad sign for our society. It's a really Hmm. bad sign for his mental faculties. Uh, But that is part and parcel of why he's been able to rise as he has, is that he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't care and he wouldn't recant and if you confronted him with it i don't know if it's senility i mean i think it's senility but or just lying but the bottom line is he's not going to apologize and he at least knows that much and that still helps it's that's our last two presidents um, final two presidents presidents. yeah Yeah. well (laughs) i was about to say the opposite it is an amazing testament to the um kind of strength in this the sinew of the system that we can have these complete idiots two in a row and we still exist and everything's fu- kind of fine. <laughs> it's, it could be a lot yeah. better, but it's kind of fine. You know, people still yeah. want to come here. They don't want to leave. Yeah. They want to leave San Francisco and they want to go somewhere else in this great country. They don't want to leave the country. Yeah. It's amazing that despite <laughs> the idiots that we keep on uh, electing as presidents, that this, this country survives and thrives. It's a pretty great place, I got to say. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible infrastructure. It's my patriot, and patriotic it's a, uh, bit for the day. It's a stress test of the system in both cases. To what you're saying, I, I think it was reasonable to think things would fall apart with Trump, and I think it's reasonable to think things will fall apart with Biden because they are the leader of the country, and they're they're not compass mentis really, and especially more so Biden, which is something a lot of my liberal friends just don't want to admit. Trump is sharper than biden just he is yeah. he's mm-hmm. completely insane but he is sharper really not than saying biden. much in my estimation but no, yeah. no it's not <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely faint praise mm-hmm. uh but look i suspect that something terrible will happen and that there will be a little by little than all at once collapse but <laughs> i don't know and so far we are more than halfway through it's kind of been a mediocre presidency, but you know, for the most part, you get along. It's still a country, as you say, people would want to visit. And I'm prepared for the possibility that this thing just kind of runs itself and it might not matter so much who's in charge. 
I I think that's probably yeah. True, yeah. I'd be curious. It does. Rem- Go ahead. Mm. No, I I was gonna. It's it's a non sequitur. I was gonna say that it reminds me of the of passage that you sent. No, not the, <laughs> not LeBron. Different guy. Same yeah. same thing. I have a question about I, Muggsy Bogues. I, I, Turner. <laughs> Ike Turner, because you yeah. sent that that passage yes. from his memoir yes. where he is talking yes. about beating the hell out of Tina. Yes. and he's like, yeah, you know, I I hit yes. her, and occasionally I might, you know, kind of forget myself and just punch her, but I never beat her up. Yeah, which, that, I'm gonna read that's this to you. Mistake. This, he is, this is kind like, of he shouldn't the, apologize and explain. Double down. This double is down. this is this is <laughs> kind of the Ethan Strauss, uh, you know, <laughs> double down. And this is the passage <laughs> from Ike Turner's, you know, Saul Bellow like <laughs> memoir, which is just written in this cadence that you know it's like Herzog. Oh my sure. God. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read this in Ike's voice because no. you really, because he, he writes it in the voice, which is great. Sure, I've slapped Tina. We had fights and there have been times when I punched her without thinking, but I never beat her. <laughs> <laughs> in, I love how everybody has that. Yes. Everybody thinks they're the good guy. Yeah. Everybody has the, but I'm not a monster. Yes. Yeah. Addendum. I punched her, but I didn't beat without her. Knowing, like, without okay, thinking yeah. about it. Try to explain that distinction yeah. to me. Well, I mean, because the beat is sustained. The punch is, right. is a single. This is bludgeoning. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Bludgeoning. <laughs> this is bludgeoning. Yeah. I, wow. I could repeatedly punch you, but yes. if if I just kind of nonchalantly punch you in the face because you're just doing a lot of talking, which yeah. is how he he puts it in the book. It's yeah. Um, you know, whatever. He starts by saying, "I once threw a shoe at her." And I was like, <laughs> oh, "Oh my god!" <laughs> then confesses to beating her more. It's yes. Like, good lord. But he also, but he also goes on to say, and this is the part that's really vindicating that most of the time she would agree, she would apologize yeah, and admit yeah. that she was wrong because ninety nine percent, and it is actually written ninety nine p e r c n t cent per yes. cent. Yes, nigga, oh. that's not how that works. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know the rest of you guys. Yeah, everybody else understands. Ethan's out there Ethan like defending people dropping n bombs uh, during A's broadcasts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I That's I true. want to yeah. commend to listeners: go read Ethan's Substack in general. Subscribe in general. Yeah, if you, if you so choose. I'm not telling Hell you what yeah, to right. buy, um, but except for the fifth column. Uh, however, your piece today mm-hmm. about what's his name? Glenn Kuiper. What's his first name? Uh, the, yeah. I know Dwayne yep, Kuyper that would hit at least one home run in his 10-year career, but not many more than that, uh, who's a, a broadcaster for the uh, San Francisco Giants. The Giants. His lesser brother, yeah. Yeah. Glenn. Uh, and I didn't, this is one of these stories, it's like the 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 LA Dodgers transgate story that's bubbling up now that I refuse yes. to know anything yes. about. I'm trying so hard <laughs> yeah. not to have nuns and drags and Catholics and Dodgers <laughs> part of my the discourse. Only thing you should know, the only thing you should know about the Dodgers story, just in case we, we kind of wander into it, Matt, is they made uniforms where you could have a place to tuck your-, your That's not true. That's what it was. All, yes, it was. It was all about what them and Target. They had a place where you could tuck it in. There's a cock tuck. You, that's that's right. That's that's the right. You can just Google tuck? that. Yep, that's what it was. And I don't want to get too I'm deep into that story. I go back. I want to go back to Ethan's uh, story, which was about how <laughs> the guy who was fired from the A's should be replaced by Mark Furman, yep. which I thought was a weird yep. thing because I don't think he's a broadcaster, <laughs> but maybe he's good at it. So, Ethan, make your case. I mean, I am fearing a Mark Furman-esque tape because they did an investigation and there was some anonymous report that the internal review of him 
inform the decision by the A's to fire him. And so, well, tell hey, us there's what a happened. Mark tell us what he did. No one knows the story. I didn't oh, even know actual, until I read yours. Actual exposition. What he said on the air. Too. Yes, loudly. I, I shouldn't just. I just shouldn't riff as though the listeners know everything about the fucking <laughs> Oakland A's. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> the, no, you gotta um, give them a little t- context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I apologize to everybody. Look. So. The Oakland A's, a very terrible baseball team that nobody is watching, <laughs> that is attempting <laughs> to move to leave Oakland. Yeah. Which Jose can they still have the banners, just like everybody else in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they they still have the banners up. I drive by it that say "Rooted in Oakland" because that was their last slogan. As they are yeah. desperately trying to move to Las Vegas right now, um, they've got they've got this longtime announcer. Glenn Kuyper, I'm used to, I watch A's games, so I'm, I'm used to him, and I think he's a good announcer, and he was in Kansas City, where he went to the Negro Leagues Museum, and he was excited about it, mm-hmm. and on a broadcast there, that, Ethan, Ethan. Yeah, yeah. I, you gotta see be, you there? gotta Ethan. really, see what I did there? yeah, yeah, see what yeah. I did there, you, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, you've gotta have like a, a Douglas Murray-esque diction with, uh, with this particular term, apparently, <laughs> um, and so, he is excitedly jabbering about it because he he just loves it, mm-hmm. and it, he loves he it because they're slurs. keeping them in a separate league. Is what he loved about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? It was a little weird. Yeah. It was a little weird. Yeah, I went yeah. to, yeah, I went to the museum about those years. Yeah, Can we get this going again? <laughs> is what he <laughs> yeah. actually said. I can't believe they learned to play the game, but apparently they can even follow the rules. It's amazing. Yeah. In the new yeah. league. He said something about a lot less uh, swagger and celebrating, and, yeah. you know, would be happening in yeah. the MLB if only we could come, you know, compartmentalize, you know, build something this, of an eight mile road between the leagues. Um, we could be yeah, as separate a lot, a lot as the fingers said. of these hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Oakland A's broadcast, it's like public access television. Yeah. There's yeah. just anything can happen. Yeah. And somebody on the internet ruined our fun and actually revealed what's said there. No, he just was saying it quickly mm-hmm. and slurred his way into a slur. And I don't think many people noticed, but somebody must have noticed because mm-hmm. on the broadcast, he, apologized then, on the he broadcast, acknowledged yeah. it. Yeah. And, and this was later. Came out this wrong, was later. Like, yes, they, not they, immediately. Yes, no, it was a no. different different part of the game. Coming back he from a commercial back. break. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, you yes. could hear the, the chastenedness in his voice. He was worried. You can hear the temper yeah. in his yeah. voice. For sure. Well, th- this is what my article is about because I know a lot of broadcasters. I know a lot of play by play announcers because my old job was to write about the Golden State Warriors on the road. Mm-hmm. And I watched as their biggest fear, and it's an odd fear to many people, but this is the, this was their biggest fear, was dying alone in a hotel room on the road to having this happen. And and I watched that. And it, look, I it's a very specific thing that's not a widely shared problem, but to me there was just something so grim about that in a way that the death itself was replaced by this kind of social death because you're doing it extemporaneously. You're saying all these things. You can have a slip up. And there have been other instances. Uh, the most famous one is one where the guy actually was quite in the wrong and was consciously uh, taking a shot at, at another group. Uh, the uh, the Reds announcer. I know Welch Marty Brenneman. about all these guys. Probably more. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marty. Bre- well, Marty Brenneman was the, the original legendary Reds announcer who said on broadcast that his greatest fear was dying in a hotel room because it's a common problem for people in his business. And then about a half decade later, his son, Tom or Tom Brenneman, uh, had a slip up where he didn't know that they were transmitting 
his words in between a break, and he referred to San Francisco as one of the fag capitals of the world. And Ooh. then that- True. True. Did, come to think of it, come to think of it, that's a good coffee table book, now wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know? I know. Um, I know a, a surprising number of, of my friends are gay. It's very strange. I'm trying to figure out, maybe I'm gay. I can't figure this out yet. But I did, a little bit. anybody yeah. who I know who is gay would- uh, either dispute that or be offended by it. <laughs> they would have that book, is what you're saying? <laughs> I, will, yeah. bestseller, I will say, right? <laughs> to editorialize, uh, he, did, he did say it with an edge. It wasn't like if Andrew Sullivan said it. Yeah. It, was, uh, yeah. it was said well, with a little bit of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is like the uh, hard R on the yeah. N word. It is the G-O-T. <laughs> if, you say fa- if you're saying a f- the fag capital in that way, if you said the full word, you said faggot. Yeah. That's, a, that's very but hard. But Moynihan, uh, think, think about it different. now in like a, a mass hole accent. I'm really trying to defend this guy. I don't, <laughs> I, you shouldn't say that, yeah. by the way. Well, well I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, just, I'm using that context because it's become a meme. Because mm-hmm. as he realized that he had been caught, he tried to do the hurried apology on broadcast. And he had to interrupt himself as his career is on fire and he's destroyed his life in one moment and you're really feeling that he feels it but he has to throw to how there just been a home run uh by nick castellanos and so it's become this meme uh, <laughs> a drive into deep left field by castellanos so when somebody has an instance like this glenn kuiper instance the jeering masses will uh We'll we'll do the thing almost like a Rick roll. We'll yeah. we'll start talking about it and then and a deep drive to left field, and which is kind of funny, but I I don't like it. I don't like seeing somebody in pain. I don't like how people pile on, and especially in an instance like Kuiper's, as opposed to Brenneman, where come on, man, nothing. I'm I'm sounding like Biden. Come on, man, come on, man. nothing was meant. Nothing. <laughs> he didn't mean to do it. It's absurd to think that there was some intentionality here. Completely, absurd. it was literally. And then you'll a, see this. It weird... was literally a segment uh, to effuse about how awesome the Negro Leagues Museum was, and this is an important little factor you would think, um, uh, which is that the head of the Negro Leagues Museum, um, who uh, showed him around, said, "Like, my God, we're not firing him, are we? <laughs> like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you doing? I mean, the head of the Negro Leagues Museum is is a white Jewish guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they really do control." Everything. Uh, <laughs> um, God, he right. One yeah. hand said, "I'm just trying to get fired from this podcast." Um, but the, the yeah. thing about it is, like, why? And we never actually said this, but but um, he said Negro League Museum, and the end came out in, in in a garbled way. And if you say Negro very fast, because I saw the headline, and I was like. Did he get yeah. fired for saying Negro? Did somebody not understand that the name of the museum is the Negro League Museum? And it's like, oh, he said it in a fast, garbled way, and it yes. sounded like something else. And uh, it <laughs> like sounded something like something else. Sure. You well, I'm not going to fucking yes. get fired from every job. <laughs> okay, in the okay. No, no, this is Come good. On. No, this is good. Okay, so the this scare, is important. The, I've gotten it uh, works. I, I've gotten emails from people, and they are very self righteous about how this is the word. The one word you don't say, mm-hmm. and if you are paid to speak on television, then therefore you can't. Da, 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 da. And look, Seri- if you these feel are, that these way, these are emails written if, by adult humans who read your other oh, material and are not there idiots. Are people in my, there are people in my industry 
uh, smart people who have said this. And I, I would say this. This is almost yeah. like the uh, the Pepsi Coke challenge right here. Um, if you feel this way, okay, if you feel this way and you are, let's say, white, uh, I say, I need to see you say Negro Leagues three times fast <laughs> in public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, no slacking. Like, there needs to be some propulsion behind it. I'm talking Steve Nash, seven <laughs> seconds or less speed. Only I'm talking point yeah. seven. I need to see you say that, and I need to see you say it live. And if you're able to pull that off, then, hey, Gagazunt, say what you want to say. Take your shots at Kuiper. Relish the firing. But I feel as though a lot of the people who are saying, oh, yeah, it's a no-brainer, of course, of course, of course, wouldn't want to take that challenge. They would be very scared to take that challenge. And indeed, that word, I think, has fallen out of fashion, but for this specific instance, in part because it's a little bit close and something like that might happen. And I also would attach onto that. I wonder if Bob Kendrick of the museum, see, now I'm running away from him. I'm just calling mm. it the museum right now. <laughs> the I think he's afraid people are going to stop talking about yeah. it. The pe- I think he's afraid broadcasters are going to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. people of color leagues. I think that the thing that, that um, makes this an interesting issue and it makes you want to kind of defend this person is because it's clearly not malicious. I mean, racist people don't yeah. praise museums that are monuments to black uh, athletic achievement. It's a very weird way of expressing it's expressing racism. Like, you know, I'm going to drop it's in bizarre. a bit of racism here. So it's clearly a mistake. <laughs> and I think that everyone, as you point out, everyone kind of acknowledges that. The problem with this sort of thing is that there are no second chances. I mean, if it were yeah. that he were to lose his job with the A's and be chastened and be like, look, I'm really sorry. I wish you wouldn't fire me. I don't think it's right. And it's like, okay, but you need to take your punishment. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, he's doing play-by-play for the, you know, Omaha Golden Spikes because, you know, you get down to AAA. It's like, no, no, no. The problem is, is that you never work again. That's the issue. And the issue is somebody makes a mistake like that. It reminded me, of course, from that kid who was, um, I think, an intern or something at ESPN who uh, wrote that uh, headline, A Chink in the Armor, uh, about Jeremy Lin when he was on the Knicks. And, well, but it was actually something that uh, one of the broadcasters, I think, said, is there a chink in the Knicks armor? Mm -hmm. And he wrote, I mean, the kid's like 23 years old. I'm not even sure he understood what he was saying or what he was writing. And it's not like chink is used anymore anyways, right? No, I mean, not- not, Except by people on this podcast. No, not anywhere outside of your house. Um, but it is, <laughs> but there was a, there was an article about this guy in the Washington post that I think he, 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 uh, uh, became a priest. Oh, he didn't go into journalism. I think that's right. I have to look that up, but is that right? Yeah. And I had to look up, I had to look up what year it was, 2012. And when I looked it up right now, what did I find? The top story, the top thing on, on the Google result, uh, was CNN and the CNN headline is, you know, not thumbing the scale. It is, you know, mm-hmm. falling asleep on one side of the scale here <laughs> and just pushing it down. ESPN fires writer of offensive headline about Jeremy Lin. This is, this is the offensive actual Offensive headline yeah. about yeah. Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Well, no, that's not exactly right now, is it? I- offensive, I mean, this is, I mean, you are guilty um, out of the gate, obviously. But I, yeah. I do, I, I am sort of disgusted that um, there are, you know, um, what is it? F. Scott Fitzgerald said there's no second acts in American life. There are many second acts in American life, but there aren't any more. 
um, in yeah. particular areas of American life, if you fuck something up this way, even if it was a mistake, it's not, you know, you're not Al Campanis or something. You're not Jimmy the Greek. You're not making some like, I believe that there's some genetic difference between these people who play the sport. No, no, no. I think that's probably, <laughs> you shouldn't be in here. That's probably not good for you to be, be working in this, in this business, but uh, uh, screw up. I mean, where do we, I mean, good God. One final thing about this is I remember I asked, I think I told this story once where I asked um, a group of young activist people who got their boss fired because of something that he wrote on Facebook. And we were in a very bad neighborhood in Philadelphia. We were talking about the neighborhood in Philadelphia. And um, this woman was saying about how terrible the criminal justice system was. And I said, look, this is definitely something we're going to agree upon. And um, I had asked at some point, like, do you think that this person who you got fired should be re rehabilitated? And she said, no. I said, never work again. She said, no. I swear to God, I have this all on, yeah. it's all taped. And then later, I backed her into a conversation about these kids in the neighborhood. There'd mm -hmm. been a robbery a couple days before. And she was like, you know, we need some rehabilitation of these kids <laughs> that like shoot other people. And I was like, so the, the, errant, the errant Facebook post, never again. You like shoot a guy at a bodega and it's like, meh. You know, <laughs> you should be able to like, we you have know, to have a little understanding. You, little understanding. you should have like a jobs yeah. program uh, for them in, in prison and they shouldn't even go to prison, by the way. Midnight so. basketball uh, is midnight all they should basketball. be sentenced to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, it, it's so, it's interesting to me, uh, Moynihan, I don't know, I'm addressing you by your last name. Yes, it's do. interest. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's interesting that you, that you were fixated on that about how mm -hmm. there's no second chance and that being the grim output of this yeah. because I, I would agree with you, but the aspect of it that disturbs me most, because I did get people in the industry reaching out to me today and, and disagreeing and saying, no, like it's just got to be, that's got to be the verdict. That's got to be what happens. That's the red line. You know, you got to go. I understand he, he meant it accidentally. And I said, look, 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 I don't think he should have been fired. And you think you should have been fired, and I think you're crazy, mm -hmm. but that's not even what disturbs me about this. Mm -hmm. What disturbs me about this are the other announcers who messaged me today. That's mm -hmm. what disturbs me, is that I'm being messaged by people who are in the industry and who are established and feel bad because they want to defend Glenn Kuyper, but they're, they're scared to, yeah. and they're probably justifiably scared to yes. do it. What the fuck is that? Huh? Well, well if you screw if you part. screw up a word and you get fired, imagine if you come and defend someone. That's just as flimsy. I yeah, imagine, I'll right? tell you. I'll tell you, Ethan. Yeah. I I don't know that it is justifiable, and I'll I'll tell you why. Um, the do it. The displays of cowardice that I encounter on a regular basis from so many fucking people who are in these circumstances professionally, personally, where someone says something and they feel like, oh, you know, this is, this is an injustice. This is wrong. What's happening here? But I'm afraid. I'm afraid. So I won't say anything about it because I, I don't want to stick my neck out for this guy. I mean, I, I might get in trouble too. The, the approach really has to be, what can we do here? What can we do effectively to support this person who has been egregiously wronged and have some chance of success and not get ourselves into further trouble. Is it possible that we might be able to say, coordinate our action and as a group, like speak out against this and perhaps even nominate someone who might be impervious to criticism on this for speaking out forcefully in defense of a person who has been 
and conducted themselves in an honorable manner professionally for decades in some cases. Like that is what you do. The cowardice, Mm -hmm. the excuse that something bad might happen to me. Well, you deserve something bad to happen to you. You are inviting it because of your public cowardice. Mm -hmm. So I don't allow it anymore. I don't allow it anymore. I don't think it is defensible to worry about this if you're not willing to do something about it. Because if you're worried about it and you won't do something about it, you are actually part of the problem that coward was contributing to the decline of civility and this this kind of fundamental notion of us kind of recognizing one another as fellow humans who are deserving of a modicum of grace and understanding. And I just I just can't can't anymore. I can't tolerate it even. Mm. Tell them for me that they are cowards. <laughs> well, okay. Oh. So, but do you do you draw a distinction though between pundits, people who have made their lives giving their opinion? Because I'm just assuming, and I could be wrong, that you're referring mm. to to that cohort mostly. I'm not. And people who just <laughs> want to call a baseball or basketball game, and they're not culturally well versed. They're on the road all the time. They're not enmeshed in these battles. They don't know where the guardrails even are. I have sympathy. I have sympathy when they're up against this weird dynamic we have with a highly mimetic system in social media where everybody is reacting to the assumption of how other people will react and is mirroring whatever they're seeing. And so rarely are people actually being honest. You know, expecting a middle aged play by play announcer to be able to navigate that and show the appropriate amount of courage and coordinate. I mean, but I don't know. Even, that just seems it like a big Isn't terrifying in a way that you say that these are people that are so divorced from what is happening, they're on the road, they're not, you know, engaged or even, you know, looking at any of these cultural battles, but yet they know what will happen. Yeah. They know that yeah, yeah. much. Yeah. They know that if yes. they speak out, just to say, by the way, yeah. in, the, in, in speaking out would not be, one should be allowed to make a mistake and he said this word. It, that's not even what one would ask. You would say, this, you need a character witness at this point. Somebody who comes forward and says, you know, particularly somebody who's like not white too. It's like, I've, I've known this guy. I've worked with this guy. I know he's it. a good person. <laughs> I don't think that you should fire him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think that this, but also one of the other things that has been proven in the past, you know, probably three months, probably even narrow it to two months, and you see this kind of with the Bud Light thing. You see this in a way with the Dodger stuff, but the Dodgers actually going back and forth and they're vacillating on this. But mm-hmm. these things that we expect of people, that yeah. they're going, you're going to get fired too. You're going to be the next victim. That if enough people say, you know, I am Spartacus, these people back off because they don't believe it. That's the, <laughs> that's the issue, right? Because if these were yeah. people that actually did believe in these th- things, and they actually had some sort of ideological grounding in an idea that we cannot have these people in our organization. They're not that at all. They're just I think scared. That's right. And they're yeah. trying they're saying, like, well, what's the well, thing that we should do to prevent, you know, the heat coming down on us? Well, just fire him. That's the easiest thing. Well, I, I would say this though. What have you seen it not work? Right? Mm-hmm. Because there were some people who spoke up for Glenn Kuyper as the team was doing their review. Some of them were not white. Dave Stewart. The ever intimidating legendary yes. pitcher from Oakland. spoke up yes. for Kuiper. And not only did he speak up for Kuiper, there's actually a clip of yes. him saying Negro Leagues and slurring it in yeah. the same exact oh, really? way that Kuiper did, which is a really yes. solid, doing a solid for Stuart's his friend. Awesome. And he also, he he did also that. does um, uh, uh, stand up for trans people. 
if anyone oh, well, remembers. No, I, I, you don't I, remember Dave Stewart's arrest in 1994? Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I know the reference. Yeah. Deep ass that, prosti- that prostitute was an, of the Eddie Murphy variety. <laughs> yes. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, that's true, Dave Stewart. Yeah. That's two, Not the original Dave Stewart. Love Stewart, wins. The, again. Yes, love <laughs> wins. That man has a lot of credibility on these issues. So continue. Eddie was just doing, Eddie was just doing a favor for a friend. That's exactly. all. That was Dave Stewart. And that friend was Eddie Murphy. He's a generous man. Man, Dave Stewart, but but he stood up for him, and there were other people, but especially the white guys. There's a lot of hemming and hawing, and a lot of just the bullshit that I'm tired of, where we have to pretend like everybody's so hurt and everybody's healing, and it's just I, you healing. know, can we just no dispense, is, no can we just dispense from this? Yeah, no can one we is hurting. With this There's already? no injured party. Well, I want to dispense with two things. One, the pretense that people are so broken up about a 60 year old man mispronouncing a word that's number one and i i, I would a word, say a word they say two, themselves almost that almost daily <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Their, fa- their favorite songs like it's the yeah. name well, of the song actually yeah. well that's a whole that's a whole other the debate the, the debate over that word's place in the culture and everything else is, is a that whole word. other conversation i'm, I'm letting but, this ride uh, but i don't like it i just want to be very clear <laughs> Yeah. That word, the word, yeah. the word we can't. When you're talking say, about people the who word say that shall not life, be named, even <laughs> who's just well, dropping n bombs all the time. Recording, everybody was well, saying I'm... it over and over again. So I don't understand why y'all well, got all weird now. <laughs> this is actually a good place to announce that I'm going to say it on a spaces with Elon Musk <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. it won't get shut down. Yeah. I'm hoping the system can. I mean, I'm honestly curious as to whether more people will tune in for that. You should do. Yeah, you would, should dude. you should talk to Elon about doing a spaces that is Whoa. launching the end of your career. <laughs> <laughs> this is the launch of the end of my life, and I'm just going to drop end bombs like crazy. What would, but what would happen this if is, I this did? This is that? our, our actually... version of Canada's assisted suicide. Yeah. Is, is what this? would happen yes. if I held the spaces and I just invited people and I gave them all permission to say the the word, oh, the gamer yeah. word, N-word pass, yeah. and then it, and they just said it in there. Yeah. Like, what would happen to all those people? Would someone track them all down, make a massive yeah. spreadsheet, absolutely, and then try to get them fired from <laughs> their jobs? Lorenz would be yeah. in there yeah. before you would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, exactly. Oh her, my her, God. her and a bunch of other fifty-year-old oh. women would be in there. Well, she attended. If she attended, she would be guilty. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> I was going to say the other aspect I don't like is when people do the hemming and hawing when they're white and talking about this and saying maybe I shouldn't say this. Uh, you you could see that with another announcer, uh, the other Giants announcer, saying I don't know if it's my place to say, but and it's so hemming, it's so high, and I just can we dispense with this as well? Yeah, but it's hard epistemology? though in the sense that like I, there's so many laws, you know, drug laws, for instance that I know are unbelievably stupid and wrong and morally unjust, but I don't break them in public because I don't want to go to jail. That's the same. Because yes. when what happens yes. is people hear this and they they see the guy. <laughs> the inability of us to say the N-word is just like an unjust law. Morning. It I is. Yes, I well, it is because I, like, I want to smoke crack in public and I want to scream the N-word <laughs> all the time. Particularly when Camille's pissing me off. This is, um, <laughs> but this is but this is the wrong way to state the problem. It's not yeah. it's not a desire to say the N word. It is a desire to yes. be treated equally. That yeah. that we will mm. be judged d- for for in the same way with respect to our intent and the context yeah. and the circumstance, and not with respect to our appearance. 
governing what we are allowed to say or who we're allowed to associate with or what kind of music we're allowed to sing along with. When you when you actually look at it in, in the starkest possible way, in the most, actually not stark, just strip it all down and look at what is being requested here. It, it, the, the absurdity of the entire exercise becomes very difficult to ignore. It, it's, it's grotesque what we're actually doing, this preposterous we, exercise we by which we destroy people's lives for making honest mistakes. It is completely reprehensible. Th there's, there, there's not um, petitions. There are not people protesting in front of this university. And there are not people on late night talk shows making fun of this. But we live in a culture, we live in a country in which a man who teaches at a college in LA said a Mandarin word that sounded <laughs> like an offensive word, and he was fired for it. He was fired for saying a word that is a throat-clearing word in Mandarin. And I have actually heard this, by the way, when listening to people talk in Chinatown, no joke. I was like, oh yeah, that's what the guy was saying. And it's like, literally, he's a white guy, and he's explaining a word that is like saying like or you know in yeah. Mandarin, and, and explaining this word, it sounds like another word, and you got fired. Yeah. Sounds they have a like another world. They have a different derogatory it's, word for those people, which is the whole no, thing that we're ignoring. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a Chinese okay. accent. <laughs> it's, that's... <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna have to hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, oh, you can hear it. Just go to Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. It's, oh it's, 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 yeah, it's all racism. that mimetic. It's all that oh, mimetic fear, God. though, and that's this, this is the thing I hate because somebody would say this is a very you know low stakes thing. What happens to the Oakland A's? Who cares? Least of all the A's or their fan. Um, but mm -hmm. or their fan. <laughs> <I know. laughs> But there's something uh, terrifying about a lack of trust that people will be reasonable and that you can just be reasonable. And this idea that you need to mirror people being hysterical or act insane in order to fit in with the presumption that other people are going to act insane. And this is a very low stakes issue right here, but there are higher stakes issues. And so I think when we talk about free speech, it will get reduced. It will get reduced. I, I like that Camille was saying it's not just about, you know, wanting to say the word because that's what you hear mm -hmm. when this stuff gets brought up. It becomes it becomes this accusation. It becomes if you're saying, huh? hey, we're being a little draconian and crazy. They turn it. They they mm -hmm. <laughs> they turn it on you and they say uh, or whoever <laughs> says that. Oh, Did well, you, you just want to say <laughs> The Jews, of course. <laughs> just say what you mean. You know, it's e a little... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it, but it becomes, oh, you just want to say it. You just want to say it. It, it kind of reminds me of when we, were a more, when we were a more conservative country and somebody would say, oh, these drug laws are kind of draconian. It's like, okay, Cheech and Chong, yeah. you know, okay, Stoner. <laughs> yes. we, know why, we know why you're saying that. Yep. But I think these issues matter just because if it informs a lack of honesty, if people are scared to say what they actually think... That's something that doesn't just extend to this specifically, right. and that is, I think, what is harmful because this is getting pretty big uh, beyond this particular issue. But I think that we improve things societally when we can be honest with one another, and like they say in improv, operate off the top at the top of our intelligence. And if we're pretending to believe things that we don't really believe mm -hmm. out of terror to fit in, 
on low stakes issues. God, God knows what's happening on Hugely the higher stakes issues. Yeah. And it is consequential. And you know what? I'm going to add this right here. And you can say it's what aboutism, but it's amazing to me that the Oakland Coliseum is in a neighborhood that might be the most economically depressed neighborhood in the state of California, and nobody seems to care. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot worse than it did 10 years ago when a lot of this stuff kicked off and social media made everybody crazy. Uh, a guy this spring was murdered in a homeless encampment that's right outside the ballpark, and nobody seems Not to care about that. You could, you could say, You could say that this issue has nothing to do with the other issue, but all I'm saying is if I don't see the extensive... Uh, fear-inducing new social expectation that we never make a mistake. If if I see that not correlating with actual material improvement, then what the fuck are we doing, and why should I believe in this? Well, it used to be able that, that you would yeah. you would pay indulgences, right? You made a mistake, yeah. you would have a struggle session, and you would apologize for your sins, and you know you would donate to something. Um, you know you would you would go to the homeless encampment and you know bring soup or something. Now it's a much yeah. easier thing. It's much more yeah. terrifying, but it's much easier. You don't have to do anything. You just get rid of people. You you make them unpeople. It's wow. A, use that Orwell phrase from 1984. Yeah, it's in lieu of. It's in lieu of. You sacrifice Glenn Kuyper to the gods rather than do anything. Yeah. So we this is, anything, so, yeah. so I hear you saying, Michael Moynihan, that you wish Jesse Jackson was still a more prominent feature in our mm-hmm. figure in our culture because the Rainbow <laughs> Push Coalition, mm-hmm. it gave us an out here. Like you, you get into trouble, Jesse calls you, he shakes you down, by which I mean, gives you an opportunity to atone for your sins by giving him money. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done on that broadcast? Who was your favorite (laughs) Negro Leagues with a satchel page? (laughs) And you visit the museum again with Jesse. Yeah. And there's a huge rainbow push coalition emblem on your shirt and you are you're fine everyone is yes. fine and we can keep we i can mean move well, on. you've got to say it three times fast uh, yeah. in front of jesse Je- you know as a moment of <laughs> to be honest hopefully to be honest camille like that's that is the first time that that activity which is a real thing not just just jackson but with al sharpton's organization they've been doing that for a really long oh, yes. time um oh yes. i've always looked at that very cynically those are indulgences yeah um but like mm. indulgences that's a system that's a system that that ha- yeah. it has a purpose, <laughs> and if yeah, the church has been very clear about uh-huh. that. It was it was a great revenue generator. I mean, yeah. like it's it's been about ten years I've been going to a Catholic church. Slowly, I'm understanding how the system works. <laughs> this is, more this and is more. this is going to be helpful. Uh, the thing, speaking of helpful, Ethan, I, I just wanted to commend you. You you use the phrase Gordian knot uh-huh. earlier, and I think that your piece itself is an attempt to cut through the Gordian knot of the bullshit that we all tell ourselves and allow ourselves to hear and not like snap back at in moments like Mm. this. And your piece is really kind of like a fuck you. No, stop it in many ways. I don't know if it (laughs) felt like that uh, when you wrote it um, or that's just kind of uh, where you've become as a cranky old man or something. Um, (laughs) but, um, But it's actually useful because you know, this is not going to get much attention uh, in the world, but we've just fired a guy. They had him on leave for they suspended him for 17 days so they can investigate. It. And and I don't believe for a second the sort of like a unnamed source that says there is more smoke behind all of that stuff. I think it's bullshit. No, no, no. Absolute bullshit. bullshit. Um, uh, but the thing that you zero in on is that actually nobody was mad. 
Let's fucking be honest yeah. about this. No one cared. No one really actually was aggrieved by what happened there at all. No one. Like, no one no, woke up and was like, no, my yeah, no, no one in the front office. No one's upset there. No one's, but the front he, office he, of he, the he, worst yeah. fucking run organization in all of yeah. professional <laughs> sports. Yeah. There's the, the Oakland A's are 10 and 30. There's only been one, I think, team in Major League Baseball history that has started off worse than the Oakland A's, and they were like 9 and 31. It was close, right? They mm -hmm. th Their stadium is an absolute fucking concrete shithole. I kind of like it because it's fun and the people there are really <laughs> hardcore, but it sucks. <laughs> the neighborhood sucks. Yeah. The management sucks. Billy Bean can fucking eat a dead corn dog. Um, it, the whole thing fucking sucks, <laughs> and we're gonna go after sure. we're gonna go Do after this expression. dude right now. No, yeah. like stop pretending that any of that has to do with any of it. It's really uh, it was a the, clarifying. The pretending nice. thing, the pretending thing is right because that that is uh, nobody that fired that professor believed that the professor um, in in L.A. was teaching something in Chinese. It's USC is racist. Yeah. Right? Um, nobody believes that. One student complains, and the teachers are afraid of the pupils. It gives an entirely new meaning to the often quoted first line of Joan Didion's book, The White Album, We Tell Ourselves Stories in Order to Live. Yeah. We are now telling ourselves stories in order to live in our jobs. We're telling ourselves stories in order to live in society in general in universities, in media, and you know that is true. You suspect it's true most of the time, but you know it's true when you're one of the three people that do a podcast called The Fifth Column. Because we, mm -hmm. we are uh, kind of transpartisan in a lot of ways, and we're trans in other ways too. Matt, I'm looking at you. Yep. And <laughs> we get emails, and we get messages, and we get texts, and we get DMs, and they are from people in Hollywood, they are from people in academia. They're from people in our own business. And everyone says, you know, that they listen under the blanket as if <laughs> it's, you know, Radio Free Europe <laughs> in 1970 and you're in East Germany you're getting a fuzzy signal of Camille talking about Amy Cooper or something. But that's, that is actually kind of how people feel. And people can say, oh, well, they're overreacting. They're overreacting. It's like, well, not really. And I can tell you that they're not overreacting because I can tell you about an Oakland A's broadcaster. I can tell you about a professor mm -hmm. here. I can tell you about, I can go down the list. I can, I can tell you about a dumb 22 year old who quoted somebody that um, was just on ESPN and put a chink in the armor as the headline and didn't mm. realize and said, Oh God, I didn't know what that was and was unceremoniously fired. Um, for whom? Who is that sacrifice for? Nobody. It was for nobody. When you're making sacrifices for nobody, you're in a pretty bad situation, yep. right? It, at totally least you know it when it's the local commissar, you know, when it's somebody in the gang who says, you know, do this and you'll, you know, get the tear tattoo on your eye or something. <laughs> this is for nobody. And that's what's terrifying yeah. about it. Can it, and, yeah, go ahead, Ethan. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just, I, I, I want to reiterate again, because this will get dismissed, this sort of thinking what Moynihan said, which was very well said, gets dismissed of, well, it's better than the past and it's consequence culture. It's not mm -hmm. cancel culture. <laughs> and once again, I say to it, then show me some consequences. Yeah, show me some yeah. societal improvement that is correlating with what we are doing here. Because if I went outside in the Bay Area, if I went to Oakland, which looks terrible 
compared to where it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Chinatown looks wrecked. If if I looked around, and it looked like Singapore. Then I'd hear this out. I'd go, mm-hmm. okay, you know, maybe my speech is a little compromised and and whatnot. But you know, look, things are really, you know, things yeah. are really working. Things are really going well. Um, I'm sure there's no trade offs about China. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know what I'm. I don't know what we're getting with all of this. I don't mm-hmm. understand this religion. I don't understand what's at the end of it all. At least Jerry Falwell would promise me heaven. I don't mm-hmm. understand what tangibly is happening here. That is all to the benefit, and don't come at me with it's better than the 1960s. I think we all know we're talking about the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're getting absolution from somebody who promises you absolution and gives you nothing for it. I don't know why I would want that unless somebody was telling me that I was going to heaven or going to somewhere somewhere fantastic after it. And also, by the way, that when anyone makes the Walter Durante argument that you can't make omelets without breaking eggs, that is not a moral position that anyone should ever say out loud unless they're willing to, you know, go to bat for dictatorships and say, you know, we killed 100,000 people. I mean, it was very famous that Michael Ignatiev um, interviewed um, a a horrible communist historian named Eric Hobsbawm, a British historian, and interviewed him in the 90s after the fall of the Soviet Union and said, thought he had a gotcha question and said, you know, look, you defended the Soviet Union for all those years. If they had actually succeeded in what you hoped that they had succeeded at, but they mm. did that at the expense of five, 10 million bodies, would you have done it? And he said, yes. That, I mean, that kind of thing is like, that's where it gets you. They're like, yeah, no, you have to break some, break some eggs to make an omelet because at the end there's this glorious future. As you point out, nobody's promising us anything. There's no future that anyone's promised us that's going to be fantastic because we're going to get rid of all these people that make sort of verbal slip-ups during fucking baseball games. Good God. I'm, I hope the black community of Oakland has, you know, risen up a little bit higher than they were yesterday because of this. Unbelievable. Well, can, I, I wonder if we, we could take this in a slightly different direction and maybe the, the, the connection between these things is a little more about distant. Turner again? <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I was going exactly. Camille, the, what uh, does love have to do with this? <laughs> it, you know, Ike Turner was a practitioner of what he called consequence yeah. oh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Make it out. One minute, oh, 48. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. That's going to I'm gonna. That's gonna be the cold yeah. open right there. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. That's an ice cold yeah. open, that one. <laughs> so in, in any given in any given week, there are countless things that people are freaking out about on social media. And this week, there are plenty of them, uh, and we can't get the, the get to them all. But I did notice that both Target and Patagonia have uh, earned themselves the ire of conservative critics in the culture war this week. Um, Target for selling a lot of pride themed merchandise inside of the store, and it's not actually clear how much of it they actually sell. It's just clear that it was on sale um, and people made videos about it and were decrying it. And that was the that dick this talking thing I was talking about, Matt. That's, <laughs> Seriously, they were, selling, they were selling bathing suits. I just want to know if, if the Dodgers are into dick tucking because as an Angel fan, that like that could yeah. change a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> trust me, they have been for a very long time. Uh, Fernando <laughs> was the first one, if you know what I mean. But no, that's, these are so, bathing suits that uh, Steve Sachs would, you know, you, <laughs> that, that has a little place for your thing. Seriously, that's what they were selling. I because mean, there's a huge market for this. I mean, and, and 
You know what? Maybe there is. I don't know. There is not. But it's not, it's not clear that they're selling a lot of them. I also wonder a great deal about the difference between um, a male bathing suit that has like a Speedo bottom, you know, and kind of looks like a woman's bathing suit. That We have Speedos that men wear. And do those have things you can tuck I mean, your men, penis Europeans, into? Europeans, but. Yeah, the whole thing is the, for the tucking. <laughs> the whole thing is for the tucking. I don't know. But in yeah. either case, there are people who are outraged about this. The same people, in many instances, are also outraged about uh, what is obviously a comedic Patagonia ad featuring, not Patagonia, North Face ad featuring a, a, a dude in drag who has a mustache but is wearing a dress who Did refers he steal to that himself- dress at an airport? <laughs> no, mm-hmm. but he calls himself Patty <laughs> Patagonia. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because you know the, Patagonia. He was arrested again. Ne- North Face. The, I saw the, the trans yeah. guy from the from the yeah, yeah. administration. Yeah, but yeah. again, but, but in either case, conservatives are angry about both of these things. And one of the posts that I saw about this, which at the last time I checked had like ten thousand. No, no, I'm checking again. Thirteen point seven thousand likes, five thousand five hundred retweets, and um. His post reads towards the end, this is the new normal. Every company will push this and will accept the conservative backlash until we do something. Bud Light was only the beginning of how bad it's going to get. Now, I don't know what to make of this because I I don't actually care at all Mm -hmm. what Target is selling in the store. I don't really care who Bud Light puts on the cans. These things don't actually outrage me. It doesn't actually seem like a a global campaign to groom children into alternative lifestyles, but someone else disagrees with me and they're outraged about it. These people are speaking up and they're not being cowards, as I've said before. But I do wonder to myself if some of the impulse not to speak up in sensible ways for example, it may be that you just don't really like having like your retail experience be overly political or overly ideological, which is a fundamentally different thing than insisting that every single time you encounter something you don't like in the store, like, oh my God, there's this like campaign to like ideologically propagandize um, or that the beer can advert that you could happily ignore and move along. Like, oh my God, it's part of this campaign to propagandize and completely take us over. Like, are these people overreacting? And to Ethan's point earlier about the outrage uh, about the use of the misuse of a word or mispronunciation of a word, I also saw Gavin Newsom is like very incensed that there is this backlash and is putting up posts about how miserable it is to see conservatives targeting Target. Uh, for having this merchandise on the shelves and how this is outrageous and bigoted. And I don't remember Gavin Newsom being at all concerned about the fact that there are in all of, not all, but in major metropolitan areas throughout California, you have retailers who are shuttering their stores because of an epidemic of retail theft. And he's not up in arms about that. For the most part, they've tried to ignore it. They've insisted in different instances that these things weren't really happening, that the reason these stores are closing is for completely different reasons. Mm. Like, I don't know. I mean, as long as they're not closing, there's a right-wing protest. That's all that matters. I mean, (laughs) let's remember that Gavin Newsom also banned state government travel to a series of states 
that were deemed to have homophobic or whatever a bad abortion. I f- even forget, honestly. Oh God, well, I forgot uh, about yeah, that. They yeah. had to lift that, I think. And maybe Ethan remembers this more closely well, than I do. Because well, it was it, it, the San Diego State basketball team, right? Couldn't yeah. travel to I can't remember where they were playing, but they couldn't use funds from the state because Gavin Newsom had banned the use of funds of of a, of a state sanctioned. Yeah. A, t- a team using those. But uh, Camille, to your point, like a quick thing about that is that everybody's wrong, I think, about this in some ways. Mm. Because w- what the problem is, is not that they're, you know, selling, you know, Dylan Mulvaney. I, the, the fact that I even know this person's name is the stupid. It's a hate crime. <laughs> Very stupid. It's like, yeah. why do I care about this person? Like, um, that was, they, they weren't making, can, they made cans for that person, right? They sent like, they made like six of them. It wasn't like a campaign that they were doing. Um, does that make it better? Is it something we should be concerned about? Well, you know, it's not the, the fact that these things exist is the kind of troubling thing is the fact that, that companies find it necessary to make a bathing suit for 0.0001% of the population. Why are you doing that? It's like it's like having an entire part mm. of a or you know a collection um, at Target that is devoted to people who who you know collect Hummel figurines or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> why, why 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 are you doing? But that? also, why not? Oh, it's because why not? Well, I, I mean, like, because it's a waste of. It's but a waste who cares of if, if Target's wasting time and money? I mean, CD Baby uh, was a company that allows independent artists to sell their music for a long time. Still exists, and their CEO, who I interviewed twenty years ago, Derek Sivers, um, he loved that he could sell. There was a band that was doing like you know. Uh, Norwegian like throat metal music that or whatever folk that sold three copies and that that the whole point of CD Baby this is back when people used to care about the long tail as an analogy was that these people could sell their three copy records direct to consumer and it's awesome and I think there's something kind of awesome to that too uh, but imagine if CD Baby said we're going to make an enormous effort that everybody yeah. knows about those three copies of that CD and we're going to do it constantly and talk about it constantly. I don't care. The issue doesn't interest me. I do believe that people on the other side of this would be upset if target was going out of their way to promote some conservative cause or something that conservatives cared about, even if it was a kind of banal thing that didn't really exercise Mm -hmm. people Or, 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 you know, people are getting upset about boycotts that has been really the the number one tool in the toolkit when you're going after Fox News. You go, people li- make lists, Media Matters does this, makes lists of the advertisers of all of these shows and you target them and it's been very, very effective. I have never complained about that because that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. If you want to put that out there and say to these you know, advertisers, we're going to boycott you, that's a, an American tradition to boycott oh. people. I don't think that's a problem. I, I do. I think that's a problem. I think there's something, maybe we might even say imperialist about that. Hmm. Um, this idea that, because look, you're trying to get between an audience and the person that they want to pay, basically, or the person that they want to go to. And to me, there there is a level of not just sanctimony and arrogance to that, but it seems like an overstep to say, I am the curator of what's on Fox News as somebody who is not right wing. I am the one <laughs> who chooses what right wing shit people who are Republican want to watch. And it is I get to determine 
what they get to see. And I will try to use my power that they don't get to see what they want to see. That's that's look, you can do it. It's legal uh, to do it. And is there a difference, though, Ethan, between targeting advertisers uh, and targeting one company? And saying you shouldn't shop there because of X, Y, and Z, which would be something you did during the civil rights movement and saying this is a company that does not, Woolworths doesn't allow people, um, uh, black people to sit at the lunch counter. Yeah, I'm not, it's an interesting, is it a distinction without a difference? I think that, I think there is a fundamental difference there when it comes to speech and when it comes to entertainment. Um, And I think that we shouldn't be so arrogant as to prevent people within reason, within reason from being able to seek out the entertainment options that they want to seek out. I'm not talking about snuff films, you know, we're just talking about uh, people who might be Republican or right wing. I just think, look, I'm criticizing the attitude. I'm not saying that it should be made illegal Mm -hmm. to do that, but I think the attitude is imperialistic in a way that I get to choose for the red state or what they get to consume on a channel I would never ever watch. I mean, but I think let, there's let's something take something about like that. Target, and yeah. you know, which is the the you know the latest company in the in the crosshairs. If you look at Target and you don't actually say you should boycott this, we should you know wage economic war against them, which is what people are saying. Like Matt Walsh, yeah. is saying things like this. If you don't, ju- if you don't say that at all, but if you draw attention to the stuff that they're doing which you think is, you know, pointlessly woke and trying to not necessarily, you know, turn our kids into, into, you know, trans babies or whatever the hell people say, but just saying this is the needless politicization of every part of your life, which we saw mm-hmm. in pretty sharp relief after the George Floyd thing. You couldn't open a website that didn't say like, you know, 40% of your purchase goes to burning down buildings in Minneapolis or something. There'd be always some message there that said that they were involved in the struggle, right? But if you point those things out and don't explicitly call for a boycott, um, you're just trading information and saying, you guys believe in this, we believe in this, Mm -hmm. and these are companies that don't um, support our values. Maybe we shouldn't shop there, or not even say that, just to point that out as like kind of a news story. Is that also kind of an imperialist way of thinking? I like this where I'm now the dictator of America and our I do too. I would. I, to, I want to I live to, in America. I, yeah, I get to be the Solomon, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I get to be the one who chooses. Yeah. This one is okay. This one, we're, not so everyone's much. Everyone's going to be shopping at Target, and every um, broadcaster is going to be super racist. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes. It's just be awesome. It sounds like a much better country than, than what it exists prior. No, but to what you're saying, what, what you're identifying is I don't think any of us want to live in this uh, current state where now everything's boycottable. And I, I don't like the term culture war because everything wouldn't it's be boycottable used- if everything wasn't political. If we yes. remove well, the politics I- from it, we would remove the boycotts. Yes. Well, and I, I, I don't just like want the term pop culture chips. war. I don't be- want a lesson on fucking <laughs> colonialism. Well, well, you're getting it. Um, <laughs> Done for it with yeah, you. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, the term culture war, I don't like because it's often dismissive about cultural conversations that we should be having. But this is actually the battleground of the culture war now. This is where it's happening. It's these companies and what sentiments they're going to reify to set the baseline expectation of the populace. And I think what you're getting at Moynihan is that this is a backlash to the thing before. Mm -hmm. And look, it's really easy to be dismissive of the Bud Light backlash and Kid Rock 
shooting at I don't I didn't see, <laughs> see what it was. Did he shoot yeah. at the Bud Light? Yeah. Did he, he take a shit on shooting. them? Yeah. He did. I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah like, like that's stupid. That, that <laughs> so that's really that's really stupid. But I think it would be wrong to dismiss the potential importance of maybe the first blow against co- corporate America or the first instance of getting corporate America to maybe back off because mm-hmm. they've been pretty aggressive with advancing progressive notions and really dismissive of. Uh, red state opinion and fuck mm-hmm. off is pretty mm-hmm. much their attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that dynamic is they're listening to their own employees and yeah. they're listening yeah, to right. yeah. their and younger employees. A small, who yeah, scare a small the, segment of their employees. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are people that don't like it too, that they think it's their product. I mean, if they were sending um, sort of Dylan Mulvaney Birkenstocks to the, you know, to <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney, I don't think anyone would care, but there's a sense that Bud Light is ours and yes. you are encroaching upon our territory with your whereas like like so when I was when I was in Texas doing that um, doc I did on on the kind of Republican Party in Texas, the most common thing that people would say, and there were T-shirts all over the state at 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 uh, rest stops that said "Don't California my Texas," mm-hmm. because people were moving to Austin, and it was like, mm-hmm. all right, I don't care that you exist, but just don't bring your shit here and fucking we got We like the way like we like the way it is here. You know, fuck up your own shit. Don't fuck up our shit. That's what I took the Bud Light thing to be uh, kind of like, I don't care about that at all. I don't, I mean, if somebody gave me a Bud Light, I'd be like, this is a disgusting beer. Great. I'll drink (laughs) it. Um, (laughs) I don't, it just has no interest to me, but like that is what I got from it was that like, it was like, (laughs) you're, you're in, you're in my, my hut now and you're fucking with my stuff. Yeah. You know, it's such a proxy war. And again, it's the, the best outcome, I think if you're the right is that people don't drink Bud Light because it's watery poison and it's, yeah. it's terrible <laughs> uh, and you want your allies to be drinking not as much of that. But just as an example that it actually can be done, I do think that it is it is significant in that way because in many instances, uh, they there was backlash and the companies didn't care. And it's yeah. it's interesting to see which times the backlash might work sure. and which times it doesn't. I mean, Nike... Nike went woke and uh, was not made broke, really. No, um, but the Kaepernick and, stuff made them a lot of money. Yeah, it didn't make Kaepernick it might have a lot been of money alienating. Too. Yeah. yeah, it did. It, it might have it might have been alienating, but Nike, the conditions of Nike, the customer base of Nike, they Different. couldn't be hurt yeah. in the way that Bud Light. And so I think, hey, the risk for a Matt Walsh is probably just one of shot selection because it seems he yeah. sounds like like Newt Gingrich after the 94 Republican revolution <laughs> where it's just, we're going to do this and we're yeah. going to do that yeah. and we're just going to run over everybody. That's right. And yeah. look, I'm not, I don't, I can't predict the future or what's going to be effective, but I don't know if just sprinting the marathon uh, everywhere at all times is going to return the results that he and his movement want. I, no one, no one cares when somebody like, you know, um, yeah, who who was the guy? Was it uh, Josh Hawley? It wasn't Josh Hawley that wrote the editorial for the New York Times that everyone got Tom Cotton. It wasn't Hawley. Tom Cotton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one yeah. cares. If, if Tom Cotton wrote the exact same editorial for the Wall Street Journal, nobody would care. Yeah, no, it's our sandbox. It's like That's right. you're, it's our sandbox. It's like, don't fuck with our stuff. Is like, that doesn't happen with Nike because it's like younger demographic, sort of multi ethnic demographic, whereas Bud Light feels like, you know, this is like working class American beer. 
And mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's true if you look at the numbers, but that's how it's played. And that's how these, these and the same thing is kind of true of Target, of like, mm-hmm. you people in New York don't shop at Target. Mm-hmm. We do. This kind of, and, that, and Target's like, you know, the high-end version of Walmart, right? Yeah. But that's like, even that is like, no, 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 they, they, these are our places, right? I do, I do wish that there was a way, and maybe someone that's listening now who works at Target and has some inside information. Not like who, at the register, by the way. No, not, <laughs> no, not at the register. And you'll understand wow. in a moment. I need to, I want to know. Well, I know where he's going with this. Yeah. I have respect for those people. I have respect for them. They just don't have the intelligence that I need. Maybe yeah. they do. So here's what I want to know. I want to know how much of this shit like the the like political propaganda, the ideologically tinged stuff that you sell in the stores, like is actually getting moved, and how much Nothing. of it is being sent over to some wholesaler or being destroyed. Like I will, I know every February, like there will be an entire section of the store, and since 2020, for whatever reason, like all of it is in the front of the store. You walk in in February and you are <laughs> smacked in the face with black excellence. How, how many and it's kids? Like how many kids in made suit by black are going to be wearing like that's trans? A, that's another. Ike, that's a night. Yeah, it's another just, Ike Turner quote. By yeah. the way. <laughs> oh my god, Ethan, that Ethan. is beyond the bed. That's too much. That Ethan. is too. Can you put him in the penalty box, yeah. please? That's too much. Yeah. That's too I do. Much. I do like the idea. I just like, want to know how much of that is sold. So if you have that information, no, like, please send it to Africa. me. There's like literally like the it. old <laughs> like Super Bowl shirts. There's like kids with trans shirts on. Let me be. Let me be clear. That is not allowed in Africa. That what? is that is not allowed in you Africa. Get. They won't even let you off the bars. You get. <laughs> with it. Yeah, they yeah. That's that 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 argument. This shit is so bad that even the poorest countries on earth don't. I want mean, us. this is and this is actually the thing. Can we can we agree that the LGBTQ? You got Muslim. I don't know yeah, the rest. Yeah, yeah. Put a plus. <laughs> yeah. the they ought to be focusing. They ought to be focusing on Africa. Like seriously, there are there are actual are anti-gay laws on the books there. The, I mean, Uganda yeah. is a, they like a help, they horror need, show. They actually need help there. Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. if you're if you're just gay, like regular yeah. gay, like yeah. you've got problems being Massive in certain problems. countries yeah. right now, yeah. and they need your help. Yeah, they so need your just, white gays. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they have. The, they I'm need just your cultural imperial. You, you want to be just a, a white savior, Camille is saying. <laughs> One of the benefits Please, about sir. being an old person is that I can yeah. transmit culture from decades that you guys don't remember. Uh, and mm. in the 1980s, I'm here to tell you yes. that it didn't work. Two companies, Disney and mm-hmm. a shitty beer company called Coors were the most infamous uh, companies among people on the left. They were right-wing yeah, yes. devil companies. Yes. There was a- mm. there was Adolf a Coors. Coors, Adolf fucking Coors. Adolf. They never yeah. got tired of telling you about it. This is Adolf, <laughs> yeah. right there. They were like, do you want to get rid of the name because of it? He's like, no, I think it's fine. It's a very good name. What that man has done, which was pretty good in some ways, but, you know, not always. I mean, we would drink Meisterbrau. We'd drink Stroh's instead of, instead of Coors. 
Uh, no, there was a Coors yeah. boycott. It was probably like a Nazi. Company. Oh my god, just pure fucking like Austrian Nazi. Like, like yeah, yeah, get right to the yeah. tap root of it. Um, uh, but Disney also was super right wing. They hated the gays. You couldn't have any kind of earrings. You couldn't have a tattoo. You couldn't be weird. Um, like the whole like uh, the, we're gonna have special gay day in Disneyland. That was a struggle. Yeah. That was like twenty that years of activism yeah. to get there. Uh, Roy Disney. Walt Disney, those were not like super f- overtly friendly to the God, gay how guys. How uncool are those gays, by the way? Like, let's go to Disney for gay day. That's like the least cool thing you can do. Sorry. I mean, I know we're going to get some emails about first, that, but like, sorry. It was pretty cool. I mean, seriously. Princess dresses. It was pretty fucking cool. I fucking, I watched, I watched Cruising. That's not what was happening. <laughs> That's not what was happening. <laughs> we did it. I didn't yeah. the West Coast. Is what I'm I like saying. Disney. I like that too. I like the yeah. old school. The old school yeah. gay scene. Yeah, I like, I, the, like. I like leather in the dungeons and like yeah. everyone's got mustaches. Everyone looks like John Stossel. Yeah. What the That's fuck? What a man could be a man. Episode. Yeah, exactly. Could, could yeah, be what in is, a man. Why am I in the really big with Dennis Eckersley? Speaking of speaking of Brooklyn. Oh my god. You imagine the dude in cruising, like wearing yeah. the Mickey Mouse ears at yeah, the party. Yeah, like exactly. Like, that's not okay. Lebanon. That is yeah. weird. They yeah, would like, throw you yeah. out of the party. Burning You're not you allowed. Cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. That's too much. Where are your chaps? Your assless yeah. chaps. Yeah. What are we By doing? Way, cruising, here? great movie. It's great. A, it's a great classic. Movie. Um, yeah. Which was uh, they sabotaged it. They tried to sabotage it. Well, it was being made. We need more heterosexual content like David Lee Roth in Van Halen. Uh, if we had more of that, yes. then men could be men. Yeah. Once again. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the men of the hair metal years were definitely <laughs> the straightest <laughs> men of all time. Like the men of Poison, whose first album I saw when I was a kid and I thought they were all girls. Oh, like, me too. Yeah, I was like, Dude, I saw Rat and Poison at the Santa Barbara <laughs> County Bowl in 1987. Get out of here. Is that yeah, right? One of the members of Rad is the uh, is the um, uh, nephew of Milton Berle. That's right. Uh, by the way, yeah, who's that's Wait. why he's in the Round and Round video. Is Milton Sorry, Berle's in it? Because fact check. It was the Ventura County Fairgrounds. I don't want there to be any. Oh, oh yeah, people yeah. take that Wait, seriously. Did you yeah. did you go to see these Joe artists, or what, did they just happen to be? No, performing? I saw those artists. Of course, I did. You went for the purpose of seeing them perform. What if I yeah. not an American? I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah. I just want to- mm. <laughs> um, I saw a rat in poison on the exact same tour at the Worcester Center. You're ten. <laughs> you were fucking ten. Uh, what were you doing? I was, tw- I was. I was. I think I was twelve. That was. You have. You have the dates wrong. I think it was eighty-six. Um, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Rat in poison. Terrible. I had to go with somebody's dad. Uh, my friend to dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went to Southie, yeah. Like, yeah. dragged a dollar through a Southie <laughs> bar. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to rat and poison? Awesome, let's go. I'm fucking smoke a J in the car. Let's go. It's fucking Steve oh Morse. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went with Bob Stanley, the fucking steamer. <laughs> Calvin Schiraldi, mm. 86 years. Oh, my years. God. Uh, Too soon. No, Too soon. Oh, God. Calvin Schiraldi's still alive, I think. Really? Isn't he? I think he is. Mookie Wilson's dead. Um, oh. one, you know, one of your guys is dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Donnie Moore. Thanks. You know, my mom, ad- what? my mom admitted him. Way, he as was a-, a shitty pitcher and he was a, a, a beat up his wife too. He was like, he a, was a he was great like the- pitcher for a year and a half. And uh, my for mom a a half, yeah. admitted him to the hospital dead. 
Oh. What? Wow. He shot himself. I don't think I've mentioned this before. Wow. Uh, Is that true? Is that right? Yeah, because uh, uh, his he had shot his wife. Um, and yeah, yeah, and uh, this is an good guy. And this is Anaheim. My mom was the uh, the director of nursing at the, the Anaheim uh, Hospital. I might be make make a little bit of a of a, a inaccuracy, but I think this is broadly true. Of the decision had to be made. You can't admit a dead person <laughs> in the hospital because they did. Um, but she wanted to be. She was in a life threatening situation because she'd been shot by her husband. Um, but she also had feelings for him. This brings it all back to Icantina, I guess, in some weird macabre way. But like, uh, she wanted to be next to her Donnie, and my mom had to make a decision on the fly of like, what's good for the patient right now. Um, and so, in order to do it, you had to admit a dead man to the hospital. Wow! Did she survive? Wow. She did. Yes. I don't know what her long. Oh I don't God. know where she is at now or whatever, but. He didn't. Uh, he he didn't kill I her as intended. Very, very I know I, every single fucking Red Sox fan Sorry. cannot yeah. help themselves. Sorry. She married, she married <laughs> Dave Henderson. Just see um. this. This is <laughs> over and over again with these people. Should we release uh, the? We have the, so little. Cap? We have so little. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fucking. For a while we had so yeah. little. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, my god. We're beating you seven to two in the uh, eighth inning. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> we, oh, is, that, is that what's happening now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We should. We should probably. Wait, did we say? Did we say Mookie Wilson's dead? Did I? Did I miss no, that? No, I, I meant back? Uh, Bill Buckner's dead. William, Mookie Wilson's alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sorry, died for, Mookie, freak, freak see, No, he died sense. for us. <laughs> he died for everyone in Boston <laughs> when he went to LA. Um, him too. Yeah. yeah. He, I just yeah. retweeted I, a video of him hoping his wife shoots him. That's oh my Mookie god. Mookie is awesome. Everyone retracts. He is, Bill but he's, he, he's better. We should, we should probably stop at some point because this, <laughs> is, this, is, pretty, this is pretty bad. Yeah, what? Pretty bad. fell off this a long time but, ago. But I want to, yeah. before we go, he, even, he because says, maybe this it, is the last time we talk to you before the the quickening that is likely to come mm -hmm. after this mm -hmm. podcast is released. Um, yes. What, what, uh, what is your prediction for the, uh, for the NBA Finals? Basketball dude. I mean, Nuggets, yeah. man. I, look. Nuggets, and it doesn't even matter who wins in the East. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if the Celtics come back, I think they have more talent. But the Nuggets, first of all, nobody actually knows. I don't have any more expertise than anybody else when the ball goes up in the air. Nobody knows. But they are a juggernaut. They yeah. are startlingly talented. And everybody's just realizing it all at once because of the strange media dynamics of the nba yeah have somehow hidden this thing in the mountain time zone and obscured it to where the normie sports fan knows about Jokic, doesn't quite know if he deserved mvp this season and is only starting to realize holy yeah. shit this team is incredible and if it stays healthy is going to go on a hell of a run um they're they just have an unbelievable amount of talent and it reminds me of covering the Warriors in, in 2015, where uh, you've got the transcendent, unselfish superstar, and then you've got a little bit of luck, and it just all snaps together. They seem like that team. Yeah, Jokic is is scary good. Like watching him falling backwards, oh, like shooting the three with the coverage like draped all over him, and fucking nailing it, nothing but net is astonishing. Like really astonishing, and they also just play great basketball. There's always the extra pass. They're just really great. 
So They're yeah, really I've, great I've enjoyed watching. We're interrupting Moynihan's porn, and, by the way, just to be clear about that. <laughs> it's, it's, that's okay. Ah, you just let yeah, it, I could see it, it in your glasses, Moynihan. I'm literally looking at <laughs> yeah. hot girls on TikTok. <laughs> I can yeah, see it. Tubin, yeah. tubin away. <laughs> I'm not here to judge. She's a Obviously, I'm very. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laissez faire on these matters. Anybody can say what they I say. Just sent a message. I said, writer, I'm a writer too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, Miss People, as a quick, what, what do you want me to say? Bringing it all, bringing it all together. The MVP debate in this season was racialized, and it had an impact. Yes, it was. It really yeah. did. That did Jokic it. was up. It, he was up for MVP. He was leading as the candidate, and one Kendrick Perkins on ESPN yeah. pulled a reverse Lee Atwater and. Wow insinuated i wouldn't even say insinuated stated oh he was pretty that direct. Jokic was yeah. getting yeah it was pretty direct getting but, undue respect because of his race and it's nonsense. hey he he might have yeah. lost anyway to Embiid for complicated reasons but it seemed to be a factor it seemed to scare people off the Jokic, uh off the Jokic position and now he's just validated that that was indeed the correct choice but yeah that was uh the mvp race uh, had a dose of race that had an impact. So yes, even in sports and maybe especially in sports, these mm-hmm. sorts of uh, debates they they take place. Well, this is this is hard for me to say because I went to College Park and uh, when I was there, we were in the ACC and we hated Duke and we didn't boo louder for anyone more than JJ Riddick. I was I was there. I probably screamed some horrible things like about him while sitting behind his mom in Coalfield House. <laughs> like, I did it. There's me, JJ. But I'll say this, I'll say this today. Uh, JJ Riddick, however, pushed back against that pretty forcefully on air um, and called out, uh, called him out for suggesting that race was a factor in the, uh, the Jokic uh, MVP races that he won. Um, and actually push back on first take altogether and suggest that they were manufacturing these like ugly narratives and injecting race into these conversations and look had zero impact on him someone might have suggested you can't say anything like that you'll get canceled you get thrown off of the air jj hasn't been thrown off of the air jj apparently says what he wants to defends his values and is an interesting principled um, observer of sports who is obviously very knowledgeable and is apparently involved in some kind of coaching conversations. Um, but uh, yeah, it's weird to see him grown up and now the mm. media star, in addition to having been a pretty successful basketball player, certainly more successful Ooh. than anyone on the Terps team that uh, that went on to play in the league after they won a championship. So good for you, JJ Riddick. Very hard for me to say. I disagree. I disagree. I Uh-oh. felt like he was sanctimonious. And even if I agreed He's in right. spirit, <laughs> even if he was right, I didn't like the execution. I didn't like how lecture it was. And I, 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 you know, hey, I can't quit Kendrick Perkins. I enjoy Kendrick Perkins, even if. Uh, <laughs> See, and you're, and you're confused about my about my affection for LeBron as an as an athlete. That doesn't make any sense. Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> I'm you not like confused. Kendrick Perkins as a commentator. You find him interesting I mean, and insightful. Charisma is a thing. I think that's man. racist. It's, <laughs> that's charisma racist. is a thing. <laughs> I, I'm not in denial of it. And you know, I just it, it just seemed a little luxury is all I'm saying. And look, hey, again, I agree. I, I totally agree in technicality. 
but it's just the the execution was something that left something to be desired. That's all okay. I'm saying. And, right. You know, even if he was right, I felt like maybe he went a little bit wrong about it. Okay. That's just it's easy for me to say. I'm not on the studio. I'm not talking live on ESPN. But I give, yeah, you, I, I, I give you the last word on that. I give you the last word. I, I also didn't like because now that he's in the coaching conversations, Camille, I feel like he is he has reversed course and now he's very sensitive and he's on TV yelling about why is Ja Morant being analyzed and, and potentially punished. And he's trying to be a player's coach. That's my assessment of Reddick. And that's a whole oh. other topic, maybe for another day. Uh, I don't think a lot of the listeners, maybe some of the listeners might know who John Morant is and know what he's involved in, but that that's a whole other subject that has to do with firearms. And that's for another, yeah. that's for another day. Yeah. Yeah. Another day we will discuss that today. There is a parade inside my city as well. And, uh, Ethan, it has been a pleasure to have you join us. Thank you. I'm uh, sure again does. for what is this like number uh, 15 for you? You're like four or five up the appearances know. on the fit. Yeah, it all blurs together it's like going enhanced references. I yeah, enjoy yeah. being here, so thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm. I really didn't enjoy this tonight. I just can, can, this, can we make this the last one? Even this is it. Yeah. This is like I mean, as long as I get the fanfare of LeBron's fake retirement, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Well, at least he's not pretending to read books, so that's fine. Yeah. All yeah, right. That's an improvement. We, we well, thank you. Bye. 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 Don't leave. The Trojan Hawks.